0: We're doing another podcast for you, absolutely free, as is our custom. How do we pull that off? Well, uh, it is thanks to the fine sponsors that we present on this program and your continued patronage of those fine sponsors. It's by going to phoneboothfighting.com and clicking through that Amazon banner to support us at no additional cost to yourself, and it's by purchasing official Phone Booth Fighting merchandise, which you can get at the phoneboothfighting.com official store. Also, uh, by going to iTunes, searching Phone Booth Fighting, and giving us those five stars. I know a bunch of you have been doing that lately. We appreciate it. Keeps us at the top of the internet podcast rankings, and that's an important spot for us to occupy. All right, Frank, we're going to jump around a lot on this show. We've got some fights to talk about. We've got some current events to talk about. We've got some crazy happenings to talk about. I went on a field trip. We'll share that. Roseanne Barr got fired. That just happened. Like just as we sat down to tape this podcast, word came down that uh, Roseanne Barr got the axe. You know what? Uh, what got her? Twitter. Yeah,
1: Twitter's. Uh, Twitter seems to be a bad. You've
0: Got to be careful on Twitter. Depends on who you are, uh, but you got to be careful. And I guess even despite the fact that she had the top-rated sitcom of the year. She wasn't able to survive these uh, comments that she made on Twitter today. Uh, Mikey, do you have those? Yeah, Let me pull them up. I'm take a look. Slide them over to the big screen. Because she me. certainly wouldn't be the uh, first celebrity Frank to make controversial Twitter remarks. But uh, let's take a look here at what uh, what she said. Okay, so this is the one that really sunk her. her. Uh, it was in reference to Valerie Jarrett. Valerie Jarrett was an advisor uh, to President Obama during his term. We're going to get a look at Valerie Jarrett there since it's a a visual poor joke. All right, here we go. Um, If you're watching on our Phone Booth Fighting YouTube channel, you can follow along on the video monitor. So that's Valerie Jarrett right there. Okay, there's Valerie Jarrett. So Roseanne Barr tweeted earlier today, Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes Had a Baby Equals VJ. And this was in response to something about Valerie Jarrett. So that's who she meant. First impressions. I don't even get it, really. It's it's just calling a black person a monkey. That's all it is. I mean, it's like, it's, boy, to... to, to to torpedo your uh, the current state of your career over something as derivative as that—that
1: that wasn't even a funny way to go about it. No. I mean, I've heard some racist shit that can make you laugh. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like people are more clever about it than others. If you're gonna say something fucked up, at least put some thought behind mm-hmm. it. You know, at least be like, "Hey, man," you know what I mean? Like. You know there's some comedians i like that have some dark humor that mm-hmm. you know that you could say some pretty outland i mean anthony jeselnik he says some pretty outlandish shit but i still laugh yeah you know where that like uh, it just that just fell flat on its face i don't even think it's funny
0: no and uh th- that one and then she- why the
1: muslim brotherhood and the planet of the apes had a baby like I, I, I i'm still not understanding like how is that just referring to her being a monkey like
0: well uh, i i guess that's the planet of the apes part of it and then the okay i get that part yeah
1: is she also muslim then? Or? Not
0: that I'm aware is of. Is that a, like a reference to the
2: people think Obama's a muslim could be. Stuff like she's pretty deep into that.
0: Yeah, she is conspiracy. a she, yeah. is, she is she, a she birther? pushes yeah, she pushes all the weird conspiracy theories. And and to that point, this was another part of what happened today because it was really it was really in two parts. It was this but then she also had, are uh, you finding it there, Mikey? It's down at the bottom of the article. Okay. Where, well, where did I go past it? Where was it? Okay, stop right there. Stop. Okay. There you go.
2: Uh, oh, yeah, uh, hold on. I pulled it up. This Yeah. One.
0: yeah well, it was two things. Okay. First, th- three tweets total, I guess. There was there was that one about Valerie Jarrett and the monkeys. There was this one where she claimed for a brief period of time this morning that Chelsea Clinton is married to one of George Soros' nephews. Now that's not true. I mean it's just not true. Yeah, I mean, so 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 there's marriage well,
1: records, it's kinda of easy to prove or disprove see, that, this, right?
0: Okay, this is my point. I whether I agree with you, or disagree with you, whatever, the idea that people just say shit and don't look it up don't know where they're coming from, especially when you have that big of a platform. I would be, you know, one thing about me is I'll say things that you'll disagree with, but I can always tell you where I got it from, what my source is, and why I think it. And then we can agree or disagree from there. But I would be mortified to be caught just to basically be caught stupid you know what i'm saying just yeah. caught uninformed well to, to the point that roseanne especially Barr- if you
1: haven't really tried to do del- del- i mean no matter what all of us can still you could do your best effort and still yeah. come up with the wrong conclusion right but i mean i, I don't fault people if you're trying you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's my point like i'm like look man i tried and i searched i just still didn't come up with the right information but it wasn't from a lack of effort
0: yeah, it's it's the old, well, somebody told me. I heard that somewhere. Yeah, I, heard I don't know. I heard it somewhere. So that's what she had about. Sources say, yeah. so, so that's what she had about. By the way, so Chelsea Clinton responds to her this uh, morning. She says, good morning, Roseanne. Uh, my given middle name is Victoria. In, in other words, not Soros. I imagine George Soros's nephews are lovely people. I'm just not married to one. Uh And then she references something else that—I don't know what that is. And then uh, she—so Roseanne says, "'Sorry to have tweeted incorrect info about you.'" She responds back to Chelsea Clinton. "'Please forgive me. By the way, George Soros is a Nazi who turned in his fellow Jews to be murdered in German concentration camps and stole their wealth. Were you aware of that? But we all make mistakes, right, Chelsea?' That was at 6.30 this morning." Now, this is also not true. This is a conspiracy theory. Here's the story with George Soros. How old is George Soros? Oh, God. Now he's got to be in his 80s. If okay. He's, he might be pushing ninety. But if he was doing
1: shit in World War II, the fucker it has to be like 110, right? No,
0: he was He was nine years old when World War II broke out. 87. There yeah. you go. He was nine years old. So as World War II was going on, he's like 9, 10, 11 years old. He's a Hungarian Jew. Okay. Now, what this is in reference to— He's a
1: diabolical little fucking thing. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what, what this is in reference to, and of course, you know, George Soros is a, is a big liberal uh, political donor. That's why the conservatives don't like him, and that's fine. You know, there's, I don't like the Cope brothers. But where this comes from is problematic. Because a number of years ago, he did an interview with Steve Croft from 60 Minutes. Steve Croft is asking him about passages in his, uh, I don't know if it's a biography or an autobiography, but it talked about when he was, I think, nine, he—okay, so the Nazis stole— a lot from the Jews. We know this. You know, bank accounts, gold, art, all this kind of stuff. Okay, the stuff piles up, and of course, they're inventorying it because the Nazis kept real good records. So uh, this adult who was like a godparent, basically, for Soros, somebody who was looking after him, I guess, at this point, who, you know, Soros himself at this point is going to be in danger. I think at this point, he was under an assumed name even as a little kid goes with this guy to some place where all this stuff has already been pilfered, like a, basically a house that's being used as a warehouse. That guy's job is to inventory it. But Soros is like nine years old, ten years old, whatever. So it's like th- taking your kid to work. I mean, it's kind of a or poor like way taking to taking Ronan
1: it. here to the podcast. Yes. Yeah. And then –
0: and then when he becomes an now, adult, and he yeah, someone yeah, exactly. sits
1: there and tries to hold him accountable for whatever we said on the podcast. Terrible idea,
0: yeah, yeah terrible idea. Boy, so. I I hope uh, I hope nobody's going to They're hold like. His. Hey,
1: did they go through accounting? Did they claim the money that one? Hey, well, Ronan was there. Yeah, yeah maybe we need to was he was he filtrating money through it? Were they right. using it as a money laundering? Like
0: he's he out playing nine. in the yard exactly. <laughs> so so the issue there, and and so Soros had talked about this in the interview. But in terms of if you if you look at the whole thing in perspective, how old he was, this sort of thing. He's also very old and I think is probably a little confused by the question of the interview. The interview didn't help him. I don't know that he looked – totally lucid in that interview and so what happened was that gave rise over the years to conspiracy theories that he was in the ss which you had to be 17 years old to join and by the way they weren't accepting hungarian jews into the ss there was even online a photo of uh of a an ss nazi that had been falsely identified as soros i mean this has all been disproven over the last couple of years it's just not true. I mean, there's some conspiracy theories. Listen, you want to sit around and talk about Kennedy assassination? I think there's plenty to talk about there. And there's plenty to talk about with some other conspiracy theories. But some,
1: Hitler didn't get killed in Russia? Or in Germany, we could, we could
0: talk about that. But sometimes they're just bad theories. Right. Sometimes they're just easily disproven. And so what she did here is on the one hand saying okay I got this claim wrong about Chelsea Clinton but by the way here's another false conspiracy and throws that out then by mid morning she had had to uh she apologized is she to-
1: medicated or in the past mm-hmm. as she came out that she has know. any kind of like yeah like bipolar I don't
0: know I don't know
1: schizophrenic or you know what I mean
0: yeah I don't know. I mean she's she's obviously been controversial for a long time, but by basically lunchtime ABC had canned this series and that was not easy for them to do because you know in the day and age of Netflix and Hulu and all that kind of stuff, network television sitcoms aren't garnering crazy huge ratings. And for her show to do what it did last season, I mean they were going to ABC was centering their whole programming lineup around her second season next year. Of course, ABC owned by the Disney company, so this was a bold move for them to pull the plug on this. And in the process, cost, I've heard, like, between 250 and 300 people their jobs. Actors, writers, camera people, you know? I just... But you know what? Well,
1: they probably got to pay those people
2: out. Well... out and it, it, i doubt it because i mean it depends on how long if there's enough time in between maybe like some actors are on contracts so but most of the crew is just like sort of gig to gig
1: yeah really there's nothing with sag that if
2: well yeah at, uh, maybe some of the actors are on like a contract but if you're a crew member you basically called up get dispatched to okay you're working on roseanne maybe you're kind mm-hmm. of like it's agreed that you're gonna work the whole season but Mm -hmm. you could take the day off and then another crew member just pops Mm -hmm. in and fills you i mean they have unions and everything but i don't think there's anything i doubt they'll get any real payout from that they're probably just you know passed out yeah probably just trying to get more work
0: well yeah because i mean i guess you got to figure you know they they have to have the ability a production company has to have the ability if you even if it's not a something like this but just like a flame out like charlie sheen on two and a half men or something like that i get
1: that so the camera guys you know audio boom all those guys production crew could probably be reabsorbed in other places but the writers and actors they had a commitment i mean Mm -hmm. that's a little bit more of a i mean not to take away from the camera guy but he could probably work in the next 24 hours somewhere else right he could be fit right back in Mm -hmm. Whereas some of the actresses and actors on this show, mm-hmm. they're not finding work the next day. Right. Yeah, so hope- I'm pretty sure they have to pay their... I mean, at the very least, they're going to honor their contracts or something. You know?
0: Yeah, right. hope hopefully they'll have other places they can... Yeah, that's what I would them think. In. Like I'm pretty sure actors
2: maybe the writers, I'm not 100% but yeah, the writers. They have like written out contracts like we mm-hmm. heard, and it's probably something in there. But yeah, yeah, I can not uh, Yeah. Well,
0: was, I I saw this morning that even before this happened before they uh they axed the show Wanda Sykes, the comedian, yeah, yeah. she's a not a, I think a some sort of advisor on the show, maybe writes partially for them. She quit. So she had quit this morning before any of this happened.
1: She's African-American and Mm -hmm. lesbian, right? Yep,
0: (laughs) yep. Uh, Emma Rose Kinney, who is also on the show that – I I haven't seen the new show, so I don't know all the new roles they've added. But Emma Rose Kinney is Debbie on Shameless, which is one of my favorite shows on Showtime. She quit this morning before any of this happened. So there were already people going, I'm out. You know, and I think one of the writers bailed as well, too, uh, before they they axed the show. So no comment from uh, President Trump yet. That's going to be interesting because he uh, touted the big ratings of Roseanne, took a little credit for those when those came out a couple of months ago, because the, the Roseanne character is a Trump supporter on the show. So he was saying, look. You know, this is my fan base, these are my people, this is why why the show is popular. So it would be interesting to see what he has to say about that. Why would she do that? Yeah, her apology, here we go. I apologize to Valerie Jarrett and to all Americans. I am truly sorry for making a bad joke about her politics and her looks. I should have known better. Forgive me, my joke was in bad taste. And then she said, "I apologize. I am now leaving Twitter." Uh, well, we'll maybe.
1: I don't know. I mean, uh, now to play the other side, it's a shitty joke. Mm-hmm. It's, it's offensive. Mm-hmm. Cancel the whole show. I mean, can't they just fine her? I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. That's kind of like you
1: know beating someone's ass for stealing the Snicker bar. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that she's right in what mm-hmm. she did, but. Is it really equivalent to canning the whole show?
0: Here's the thing. It's, that was her, pretty extreme. Well, if you think about it, though, her name is on the show. Right. That makes a big difference. Okay. Like, it's it's not an ensemble cast. It's not like, okay, we're going to yeah, fire don't. this person. I mean, you it's know, it's going to be hard show. to have the Roseanne show without yeah, Roseanne. Um, the other thing is, I, I don't know how negatively it would have impacted their ratings necessarily, but it would have impacted sponsors. Because you've got a bunch of publicly held companies that cannot afford to be tied to any of this kind of thing. And so you would have sponsors jumping off. That would probably create a trickle-down effect for ABC Disney on other shows, other things on the network. I mean, it, it to me— I mean, And this, they can't
1: show that they're being strong with her without canning her? I don't know.
0: I don't think so. See, here's— here was my response to this. I mean you also could work in layers, you know what I mean? Like
1: mm-hmm. we could have started out with I don't know, <laughs> let's find her, you know, uh, and then see how the you know, audience or you know, our you know, mm-hmm. the 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 jury of you know the the public opinion comes yeah. forth and then if that doesn't enough we can always come back
0: and then i think the problem with that though is it's going to be viewed as though that's what you're doing like okay let's we really want to keep this we want to keep making the money let me see it's almost like remember what happened with uh um uh ray rice yeah, the in NFL. the nfl cuz oh. remember at first he got suspended. What was it? Two, two games, games yeah. or three Maybe games or something? Four, uh, yeah, so it was it was minimal. Yeah, but very they minimal. thought it was going to go away till the video came. That's out. right. So yeah. then it was like, oh well, we we got this wrong. We what were we thinking? We got to we got to you know tar and feather this guy, and so I I the thing is I think with this, and I I'm one to really be careful with this kind of stuff in terms of words. You know, I don't like policing words and yeah, because I mean a little bit this of thing. I mean.
1: I don't know. I mean, a little bit of free speech. You know, like if she just wants to say something stupid, it's her right to say something stupid. Well,
0: here's the thing she's got the right to say as much stupid stuff as she wants to, and she can still do it. She can do it on Twitter. She can go around and do stand up. Get I say stupid stuff on stage doing stand up all the time. All right. But the difference is that you, when you're working for a big corporation like Disney, you know, they may not want to hang with that. You know, they may want to say, "Okay, well, you go off and do that somewhere else. We don't want to be tied to it here." And they've got the ability to do that. Like you, you don't have. Whenever you work for someone else, I do this no, podcast. We don't work for anybody. No, no. You and I work for each other. And you and I have had this discussion before because. Whenever it's been brought up, the idea of, oh, we could you know sell the show to a production company or go and do it on a network or something like that, the first thing that always comes up between the two of us yeah, is, censorship. but what happens when they say, and see, they would have the right to do it yeah. because then we would be getting a check wow. from them. So, I, I, I see where this comes from. What I My response to it was this morning on Twitter, I said... The, the, the embarrassing part of it and to me that's what this I, I think she should be embarrassed because the embarrassing part of it is it's not like she was taking some stand that you know is is uh, polarizing but uh, but it was her belief you know it was her ideology like she wasn't she wasn't just taking some stand where I look at it and go oh my gosh I couldn't disagree more but you know hey that's her opinion she, she called a black person a monkey, and she told two easily refutable lies. That was just stupid just, shit. But just because that's all she had. I, that's, that's where my lack of respect is. It's just like if we're involved in some discussion about whether or not Obama was a good president, and the person who doesn't think so just calls in the N-word, I'm like, well, that's all you got? You know? Yeah. I think I just won the argument. Well, it's
2: like the opposite of what's the, the take a knee thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I agree with the NFL. It's, you're at work when you're doing that. And if you're, and they lost a lot of ticket sales, sponsorships, mm-hmm. so they put the new rule in, which is controversial. And, mm-hmm. But this is, this is the same thing. She's working for ABC, but she just did something ret- stupid mm-hmm. and so it's sort of a similar thing but at least the take a knee yeah at least work. the take anything. thing at least you have a
1: reason why you're doing
2: right you know yeah. you
1: can sit there yeah. and say what side of the line like you said yeah. mm-hmm. there's a stance mm-hmm. uh, whether what yeah, side yeah. you want to stand on you know but at least there's some kind of like deeper meaning to you know you're not just making a bad joke i guess that's also too why i don't see why canceling the show was i don't know i let me tell to you me it was like i guess if i read it i was just like oh, that was just stupid and just probably would have just gone on it wouldn't have ruined my day at all here's
0: the thing though that particular insult you know the the whole black people apes all that kind of stuff I mean that has so much dark history to it that you I mean you know what you're doing that's that's like calling a woman the c-word you know what I'm saying I mean that's that's a nuclear option right there And to not know any better than that, like I felt bad at times. Have you ever seen the situation where like the sportscaster says something during a football game or a basketball game about scampering like a monkey or something like that about and he doesn't mean it? And every like the world comes down on him, and he has to profusely apologize. You can tell when somebody like you're looking at it going, okay. Well, very poor choice of words, but I think he was excited and he wasn't thinking. This is so clear what you're doing. Like, there's no confusing here. This is exactly what she was going for. You know?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: And it just, I, yeah. I mean, I I look for those places where you can. Defend something, even not defend something, but just go. Okay, well, mitigating circumstances could have meant this, could have meant that. I took it this way; they said they meant it this other way. I can't prove them wrong. There's, you know, you, you I look for that gray area. Boy, it sure is tough to find here. But um, anyway, yeah, it sucks for all those people out of work though. Holy cow! Well, I'm just glad Doug Stanhope's episode aired um, for residual purposes. I well, think his the was fans on the fans the first show season. too?
1: Sucks for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said it had good ratings?
0: The tr- Monster ratings. Yeah. Monster ratings.
1: So, I mean, a lot of people trickle down effect, huh, over just, just a really just kind of dumb tweet.
0: Yeah. I'm one of those people, though, that I will say this. If I, if I were a fan of the show, and I've seen the old show a million times. I, I hadn't seen any of the, the new reboot version. But I am one of those people that everybody I like, musician – Actor, athlete, whatever—they don't have to be like the world's most awesome person for me to like them. But if I find out that you're not a good part, like if you're you're just really kind of a shitty person, I'm not necessarily saying this about her. I'm just saying in general because the point you brought up about the fans—I don't know Roseanne—but if if I find out that you know I like that guy's music or you know I I like his fights or whatever. But you find out this person is really just a garbage person. Kind of not interested anymore. I'm not one of those people who can just go, well, that's, that's off the field. And, you know, the number of people they killed off the field, and they never killed anybody on the field now. Am I right? Am I right? Never killed anybody on the field. I don't. There's a certain point where I'm just like, what's the fun in this? If I worked with this person, I wouldn't root for them to win employee of the month. I'd hope they got fired. Why is it any different?
1: it's funny though how many people do the opposite though
0: mm-hmm.
1: because my exposure to people that have are in the limelight mm-hmm. with my career yeah i've got to see behind the curtain a little bit more than the yeah. average person and you're right it's funny i've realized really quick in life that just because you can dribble a basketball or you can sing mm-hmm. a tune really well doesn't mean that you're an overall great person. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes we have this hero worship where you see somebody who's, you know, an actor or an athlete or, you know, some type of entertainer and you're like, "Oh, well, you know, they can sing, they could do this," and it's like they're not they're just a normal person who just has something they're very good at, and they can have a lot of shit that they're fucking horrible at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just because
0: of X doesn't mean Y, you know. Yeah. Well, and and understand this about Roseanne. I'm not one of these people who does the, hey, you're just an actress. You're just a comedian. Stay in your lane. Entertain me. I don't want to hear your political thoughts. I'm not that person either. Like, if you have an opinion, I'll listen to it. And I don't think – now I don't think that because you're famous, you should be given any special dispensation. I don't think that's going to be a guarantee that your opinion is going to be that good. But I also don't – I'm not one of these people who goes – oh, you shouldn't, just shut up. You sh- we shouldn't hear what you have to say. You're just a this or you're just a that. I'll hear your opinion and then I'll decide whether or not you, like Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent is an awesome guitar player. Ted Nugent had a had a pretty awesome rock career. Ted Nugent, I don't think, has very good opinions. Now, I, I'm not saying because I disagree with him, I'm saying because they don't have a lot of substance to them. And if Ted Nugent were here, I would explain to him specifically what I mean by that. But I don't begrudge him his right to have an opinion. I'm good with him having an opinion. I like the fact that he's outspoken. I just care whether or not there's substance to it. And the same goes for—listen, I cringe when I hear the liberal celebrity— you know, make a statement that really has no foundation underneath it. It's just kind of a platitude. You know, it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a, oh my God, OMG, you know, I I can't even right now. I can't believe this, this person, this, this politician. Well, okay, but what are you really saying there? Give me some substance. Tell me what you specifically disagree with and I'll listen. And it's the same with Roseanne
1: here. And I do do wonder why people say that going back to what you said Mm -hmm. uh, just a minute or so earlier when somebody will, you know, that is popular mm-hmm. will make a statement and you have critics of that statement go, "Well, you know, stick to
0: yep. football, you know." Hey, you and we you and I get it on this podcast. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Stick to fighting.
0: Yeah. Well, what do you th- you talk about? Then I
1: mean then sure. is that the only people you can listen to about politics is professional politicians? Mhm. Mhm. Then you as a person at home, like do you talk about it at the bar cuz yeah, are you entitled wait to, to a an opinion? Stick the mailman at fucking... Yeah, you yeah. Stick to factory stick work, to asshole. Stick
2: <laughs> yeah, to <it's like>, uh. <laughs> But you know, when Kanye West came out and supported Trump, mm-hmm. and I'm a, I'm a conservative, and mm-hmm. we do that a lot, is like, stick to acting, you know, mm-hmm. but when he came out, everyone liked it, retweeted yeah. it, because they agreed with him. And, so, here's, and I think it happens yeah. on the other side, but I think conservatives, we're a big... That happens to us a lot, because mostly actors disagree with us. But
0: Yeah, and the Kanye West yeah. example is a good one, because I'll tell you this. If Kanye West had come out and said, I support Donald Trump because he's subscribing to supply-side economics, and as a wealthy person, that benefits me from a tax standpoint, I don't like that. I don't think that's good for the greater good, but he would be correct. He is correct about that. He will keep more of his income tax money if he supports someone who supports supply-side economics. That's not what Kanye West said. When they asked him why he's running around the red hat, he's like— I like him because he's got dragon energy. He d- yeah he he does what people say he can't do it, and then he does it, and no one thought he could do it, and he did it. And I'm like, oh, you don't. There's nothing there. You're not really saying anything. You're just you just found a way to be a contrarian. That's all that is.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, but but I don't. But I'm. But that's Mikey's point, and that's a good one. It's like, don't just jump to, hey, stick to rapping, you know? Let me hear your opinion, and then I'm going to tell you what's wrong with your opinion. Yeah. You know, people talk about these th- these punishments for people. To me, whenever you make an—like, if if you really wanted to—this th- th- is probably why they don't let me run ABC. If A more creative way to potentially punish Roseanne in this situation would be to say, all right, Roseanne, we're going to put you— on, instead of showing your uh, your series premiere, we're going to put you on for 30 minutes on ABC Network television, and you get to explain to everybody for 30 minutes your your political sensibility. Just Just go ahead. Here's the mic. Just explain to us the foundation of your conservative principles, and just give somebody all the rope they need to hang themselves, you know? Because I think a lot of times you're going to find— there's not a lot. Because you there. know what?
1: Out of everybody that got fired, and everybody that's going to get hurt from this, she'll be able to bounce back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, now she's going to be the a martyr.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She'll be. Well, hey, maybe she'll get a uh, cabinet position in the White House. This is. I mean, this is exactly. She can the, do the, her own yeah. stand-up
1: routine now and start <laughs> selling out. She just picks the right states. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That's
0: right.
1: <laughs> well, another victim of liberal agenda.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the news with uh with Roseanne today. She eclipsed Michael Bisbing's retirement. He can't be happy about that. Michael Bisbing retired. Did you see that? He's uh called it a day. He uh announced it on his podcast, which is very smart, by the way. Frank and I subscribed to this idea of breaking big fighter news on your own podcast uh he uh indicated this is according to MMA junkie he indicated on his believe you me podcast that vision problems were behind his decision to hang up the gloves you know he's got the he's got the the bad eye yeah. that, that came with the from the belt belt uh well, he for yeah and my understanding about that bad eye was that it could be addressed once he for sure retired that they can do something to it to help but after that he couldn't fight anymore. So I think he was waiting on that but I think he might have also been having other vision problems, I don't know. So that's I see interesting. It to a lot you can't
1: fight anymore. Like does that mean he can't take a hit there anymore? I think
0: that's what it means. I think it's like okay, we can like a you know a normal per, like a a non-fighter you know, this is what we would do to, to fix them, but you have this occupation where you get hit hard in the head for a living, so w- we we don't want to do this until we know for sure you're not doing that anymore, I think, is what Which is kind of
1: weird, because, you know, I think everybody who's had a long career, we, mm-hmm. we hear that from the doctor, different things. Mm-hmm. The one question always, I guess, comes out of my mouth is like, well, well, hey, I still, even if I'm not fighting professionally, I still want to be able to train. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still like martial arts. You know, yeah. that's kind of what I started out <laughs> doing this for. And and the idea of not being able to work out is horrible.
0: Well, maybe it's- Like, I mean,
1: talk about retiring is
0: bad. Yeah.
1: But then telling me that I can never be back on a mat again or never spar ever again, it's like, are you fucking serious? Like, that's it? That's done? Mm-hmm. That'd be equivalent of telling me that, I mean, honestly, I don't know what would be worse, Tell me that, or I could never have sex again. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, you know...
0: Mm. It's a part of you, Mhm. boy. That's where you and I differ. You know, Kate, we have so much in common, and yet sometimes you can just <laughs> you can just find this line where I'm, I'm imagining being in the doctor's office going, "Oh, you mean as long as I promise to never get hit in the head again, I can keep fucking?" Okay, thanks, doc. Boy,
1: I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, well, how hard? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I take okay shots i mean i'll make sure we're wearing 18s yeah
0: um well that so Bisbing hall of fame yeah yeah i'd say so yeah uh i i think there's no doubt about that at this point because not only you know a lot of times fairly or unfairly i think you look at whether or not somebody ever held a title uh in terms to to Define Hall of Fame credentials. Of course, Bisbing has now at this point, so it's kind of cleared that up. But yeah, like, because I think
1: even before that, before he caught what's his uh, um, um, Luke uh, yeah. with the uh, mm-hmm. the left hook, yeah. um, people had, had spoken about Bisbing probably being the best fighter never to have won yeah. a title, and now he won the title. So it's like, well, he's you know, so, I mean, I don't think you're putting that light and mm-hmm. be in consideration for our Hall of Fame, and then now you compound that with he has a win over anderson silva mm-hmm. you know who's also a hall of famer mm-hmm. going to be you know uh, and then has now the title that he won later in his career i think that it's a no-brainer i mean i think it's for sure shot
0: and he's up there with a number of records you know a lot oh, of yeah. longevity fights, records there's like fights wins, wins yeah, you yeah. know cage time not in first place on all those but you know at or near the top and a lot of these just by virtue of his longevity. So, yeah, I think – I mean, it could just make that that case about, you know, best fighter never won a title. I mean, we've had that uh, discussion before on the show about uh, Donald Cowboy, Cowboy Cerrone Cowboy. being Hall of Famer. To me, there's no question he's Hall of Famer even without having a title. I mean, maybe at some point he will have a title. But that's – you know, that's that is a category where – you really have to look at somebody a little extra closely if they've never held that title. Of course, as I said, that doesn't uh, that not fit into Bisbing's category anymore. But anyway, but you know what? He's got a he's got a great broadcast career. They use him all the time on Fox. He's got his own podcast, and uh, he's a he's a good mouthpiece. I mean, the first real British star that the UFC ever had. I mean, so they could definitely continue to use him in terms of in that sense. You know, like they use Noguera in Brazil and stuff like that for marketing purposes. So, all right, Michael Bisbing is uh, officially retired. Let's talk about some fights. Um, Darren Till got a unanimous decision over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson this past weekend. He, it was uh, 49-46 on, I believe it was two of the scorecards and 48-47 on the other. Dana White himself said he had no idea how to score the fight, I wasn't real sure how to score it either because it was one of those, and we talked about this going into it, you get two two counterpunchers. You get, uh, uh, in Thompson in particular, such a tactical fighter. You had the added confusion over Darren Till missing weight and having to cut weight on the day of the fight to come in under the 188 pounds that he Which was I, limited to.
1: I, I vehemently – disagree with
0: yeah you think that causes some, presents present some real safety risks huh? yeah
1: you know what before that cancel the fight mm-hmm. because i think i mean the whole idea of having a commission is for fighter safety mm-hmm. and not allowing a guy to rehydrate properly is more detrimental than having a guy who's three pounds heavy fighting somebody mm-hmm. you know what i mean it just I just, I don't know. There's just no way you're going to explain that to me that I have yet to find a way explained to me that makes me go, Oh, okay. So a guy walking into the cage, slightly dehydrated is not going to be a safety issue for headshots. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, that's the number one thing I think we worry about in fighting. Bones heal, you know, tendons and stuff. I mean, you can fix things or not fix them. Walk with a limp. It's not going to affect your uh, quality of life as much as a head injury. And, uh, and I think that we understand now that one of the greatest, uh, you know, contributing factors to having head injury is, is dehydration that's why i mean everybody who's ever had a hangover i know you don't know this Mm-mm. but the first organ in the body that suffers from dehydration is mm-hmm. the brain mm-hmm. and it's the last organ really to, to rehydrate it's 85 water so if you're slightly dehydrated the brain suffers greater than any other part of your body and then you're going to take a shot to it you know so i mean that's why in boxing which you know of they got rid of the same day weigh-ins mm-hmm. because there was a greater uh, fatality uh, incident occurring during the time. As soon as they started making it 24 hours before, the fatality started plummeting down. It's like okay, well, people aren't dying now from head trauma because their brain now is fully hydrated and it's better able to susceptible to take a shot. Mm-hmm.
0: This is uh, what are you pulling up here, Mike? Uh, UFC
2: fighters to miss weight in 2018 are seven and one. Uh-huh. It was something that got tweeted around when uh, Till beat um Wonderboy.
0: Oh right, okay. Yeah. yeah. It it, it was think. it was one of those fights that it's basically stayed completely on the on the feet. Um, it was you've seen Wonderboy have other fights like this. Um and and difficult to to score. Some people a lot of people had it for uh Wonderboy Thompson winning this fight. You think that's there's situations Frank where I mean, does history – do you think history treats these kind of fights fairly in the sense of – and I guess all that really matters is UFC matchmaking. I mean, they're going to watch that fight, and, you know, it's not like Thompson was blown out of the water or anything like that. You can make a case for him winning in terms of him falling too far in rankings – The time the types of matchups he's gonna get and stuff like that. Or do you think there's also the case where history looks at it and you've got that loss in your column? You know, and after a couple of years, you know how sometimes you've seen the fight, but a couple of years go by and then you kind of struggle to remember exactly what happened, like, oh, was that a clear one sided ass kicking or was it real tough to score the fight? Maybe I don't remember. I think after after a a while people
1: pretty much just remember whether it's a win or loss.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and
1: that- As far as how it occurred, mm-hmm. you know, memories dampened, you know. I mean, yeah. sometimes if it's a real highlight, real, you know, finish, mm-hmm. that'll, you know, come to mind. But uh, I think some of the more boring fights, you know, you might sit there and go, ah, it was close or, uh, yeah, just whatever it was. But especially the controversial ones, I don't think people really – I find that when you talk to people, they kind of forget if it's a close decision. They just kind of go, oh, yeah, he, he won.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that kind of um, that kind of sucks. Uh, well, definitely sucks for Stephen Thompson. But you know, we talked about the fact that even if he won, you know, kind of being against that glass ceiling at this point with Tyron Woodley holding the title. I mean, maybe this is a chance for Stephen Thompson to go fight a couple other people not worrying about a title shot at this point and seeing what happens with Tyron Woodley. Because once you've got two losses to somebody and they're still holding the title, I mean, maybe the most famous example of that was Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey kind of hit that glass ceiling for a while.
1: Just looking at John McCarthy's up look on this.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Thompson, I mean, uh, uh, big John McCarthy, I think, had uh, would have scored that in favor of Wonderboy Thompson, I think was his position on it. But yeah, it's those are tough fights to to score uh, when you are watching something like that. When it's 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 so tactical. Uh, Bellator, uh, for their part, though, over at uh, Bellator two hundred had uh, more definitive finishes, including this one. Now, I am playing this on the laptop, Frank, right here because I don't think we've got uh, we probably would get flagged on YouTube for streaming it on camera. But this is the co-main event between uh uh caveman rickles and michael venom page have you seen much of michael Venom page kickboxer um you know this guy is is has been touted by bellator for some time and rightfully so as a as a real phenom but there has been the question of you know what's going to happen as he starts to face uh higher and higher level competition this fight ended in a in a way that uh, I haven't seen a lot of fights end, which was Venom picking him, picking him apart, Venom at one point uh, kind of clowning him, you know, um, taunting him, and Rickles quit on his feet. Verbal submission. Just said, that's good, I've had enough. How often have you seen that?
1: Um, well, on the feet, I've never seen it so far that mm. I can recall offhand.
0: I couldn't recall a time either.
1: I've seen guys quit on the stool, seen that, but not during the fight
0: during the middle of a round, yeah, not for an injury, just you know what I'm not winning this fight
1: yeah i I don't think I've ever seen it i'm trying I'm really sitting there going have I ever seen yeah. that happen
0: guy, well, we're gonna see it happen here in a second. I think it was a second round. I think they go ahead and get all the way through the first round here, uh but uh you can take a look and see uh see what you think i mean this was just a matter of venom page uh hitting and not getting hit the the speed disparity was pretty obviously on display from the from the very beginning hey quick side note can you could you fight in those gladiator things like rickles is wearing
1: i I don't think you can grapple very well
0: with those those are weird they always remind me of the car wash yeah they're, I'm tired talking-
1: because even sometimes when I've worn the split in my shorts, yeah, yeah, I've been rolling with people uh-huh. and their knee will stay on the material and also i'll go to move and it'll rip or catch so that's why i've kind of noticed never been as drastic with the slit yeah because you know if you grapple and train on the ground it just you know kickboxing i don't think it matters as much or stand-up fighting Mm -hmm. but on the ground when you're grappling and wrestling it it does it gets in the way and uh, it can be actually getting the way against you
0: yeah and that's just if you've if you've got the cut up uh yeah, so Both legs. So, I mean, legs, but so I mean thing, I've never turned
1: anything like that on. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's hard for me, I can't imagine that seems like that, you know, times 10, you know?
0: Yeah, we're talking about the, uh, if you've ever seen the fighters who have like the, I call it the gladiator look, but it's like 12 strips of material that are all separate and dangling. All right, here's here's uh, Paige kind of doing his mocking stances here. About a minute and a half left into the first round. Uh, I've I've mostly seen boxers wear those. Yeah, that's happened a lot. But yeah, MMA that I've that's
1: seen probably, it, you know K one kickboxing
0: yeah, matches. Yeah, where you know it's not going to the feet. Like yeah, especially going to
1: the if you fight off your back. Yeah, I've had guys like I said put their knees or step. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know if, if I go and you know. uh up to do shin to shin or, you know, and Mm -hmm. and someone standing between my legs, Mm -hmm. I've had guys step on my shorts. Mm -hmm. And then if you go to sweep or move, all of a sudden now it's like,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, you go to stand up and now you're pinned to the mat, you know? Yeah. Also not
0: good for sponsors. He's got something written on several of those strips of material, but I can't make them yeah, out. Yeah, especially
1: for TV. I don't know if live it was any better, but yeah. I'm having a hell of a time making it out.
0: Yeah, all right. So I think there's about 45 seconds left in this round. Let's see if we can just uh, get to the part here yeah. where he uh, submits. I want to see what you uh, what you think here. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Right, let's see here, is this it? Okay, second round starting. Yep. This is it right here. Okay. So the second round had barely gotten underway, right? It's uh let's see where we're at. Yeah, it's about 20 seconds into the fourth or the second round. All right, watch this. All right. All right, Page hits him with a big overhand right, opens him up. Look at that. It, that was the, that was the signal. He was like, I'm done. You ever seen anything like that? No.
1: What did he have to say
0: about it afterwards? I, you know what? See if you can find any comment from Rickles. Uh, see if you can find that, Mikey. Because he's got a cut. I mean, that's I'm sure that had to have a stitch or two in it. But it's not like he... Turtled up. It's not like he covered no. up his eyes. It wasn't like
1: even like it really rocked him. I mean, Mm-mm. it was a good shot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it, it cut open his eyebrow. But, I mean, it's on the side. I mean, I've been cut there I don't even know how many times. It's not in
0: your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a weird finish, huh?
1: That is a really
0: weird finish. By the way, do you know what this toy glove is that Venom page is? This looks like something yeah. you would know what that is. That's what uh, is
1: it? Thanos' gauntlet, the Infinity Gauntlet.
0: Okay, I don't know what any of that is. What What is this?
1: <laughs> From Marvel.
0: Oh, okay. Th- Tharos? Thanos. Th- Tharos? I thought he was the guy who turned in a bunch of Jews. No. Oh, okay.
1: This guy killed half the population of the world. Oh Spoiler Th- alert now.
0: Oh, Tharos did? <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, now, who is... So, Tharos. Thanos. 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 Okay. Is Thanos uh, a villain? Yeah. Okay, Thanos is a villain.
1: Well, in the comic books, he's pretty cool. He actually is this guy from uh Titan, one of the moons around, I think, is it Saturn or Jupiter? Mm-hmm. Anyways... He's like this, uh, there's this race of like uh, of uh, super beings, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, uh, he's born kind of ugly, but he's extremely intelligent. And uh, he has this obsession with death. He's really like into that type of stuff. But he's, you know, fast and strong and extremely intelligent. And uh, throughout his life, he falls in love with Lady Death. So basically, he becomes like, you know. Updated her. Yeah. So he So in the comic books, the whole Gauntlet Wars was because he wanted to impress her by killing half the universe mm. so he gets a hold of this infinity gauntlet
0: was he by the way was he gonna draw the line at half
1: yeah he did so half. when
0: he set out his plan he's like all right i'm gonna impress her i'm gonna wipe half of them 50 percent is my I goal don't. okay
1: well, I guess you had the stuff, some people dying, you know, so you can't wipe everybody out in one Well,
0: game. he was probably claiming credit for those, figuring who's really going to differentiate the. Yeah, nobody's saying, keeping a close eye on the stuff. That stats. way he can come back and, you know,
1: replenish and do it again, I yeah, guess. Yeah, okay. But it was going to be a great tribute to Lady Death, you know. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. And, uh, so there's this infinity stones, the creation of time and stuff, and each represents a different thing, a you know, soul gem, uh, there's a power one, fucking mm-hmm. knowledge. Anyways, um, uh, time and he gets a hold of him to try to put him together so that he can uh, uh you know kill half the world
0: and they're they all are on this one glove yeah he goes that he through wears? and collects them yeah okay so he's got these stones and they're all in his glove and somehow michael venom page has gotten a hold of it now, with the implication, I mean, would I don't you, know what the,
1: the, the meaning behind
0: it is. You wouldn't fear at this point that Michael Venom Page is going to obtain the power to wipe out half the population. No. It seems like now he's just, he's just reappropriating the power for uh, climbing the Bellator rankings. I guess so. Which uh, I'm, I'm more okay with that than I am the previous scenario you were just talking about.
1: Yeah, because it basically makes you a god. You can do whatever you want. Yeah.
0: Now did anyone have to come and 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 take care of Thoros? Like uh like like I don't know, Iron Man or somebody like oh, that? Oh yeah, they're like all the, trying to get him. They're all trying to get him. Yeah, uh, all the, the Avengers. Yeah, all the Avengers. All the Avengers. That's what the latest movie came out in. Oh he was this guy was yeah. involved in that? Yeah,
1: he's played by in the movie by um what's it called? Uh The guy from Goonies, he's playing at everything now.
0: Mm. Uh, I don't know.
1: Josh Brolin.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. So, uh, see, this is something we don't use enough on the show, is Frank Mir's comic book knowledge. (laughs) I don't know that a lot of people know that you know this much about comic books. Yeah. Because you do see all the movies, but I've heard you and and Cage talk about this before, where you're kind of a historian. You can kind of explain the history of certain feuds and
1: yeah, a little Wine. bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you read comics or collect comics? Yeah, you know what? I did a lot,
1: but so I didn't get a lot of the better comics because I'd have to buy them. Yeah. So what I would do is, is that there was a comic book store by uh, the movie theater uh, that we would go to. So if there was time, when you were kid. yeah. So okay. if there was time before or after the movies, my dad had no problem with me going in there and just kind of hanging out and looking. So I would mm-hmm. open up and as quickly as I could uh-huh. grab a you know a comic book off the rack and read it. Huh. Wow. So I became a good speed reader. <laughs>
0: okay, all right. So yeah, but you, you, uh, we should do this like whenever because there's so many of these big comic book movies that come out. You know, we should review them on the show. And what we'll do is I'll go and see them and be totally confused, and then I will ask questions yeah. about my level of confusion, and you can clear it up.
1: And then actually, uh, we're growing up to had a friend whose parents bought him almost every fucking comic book, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Even,
1: like, the Conan graphic novels and stuff. And wow. So I'd sit in his house, and shit that he th- – I mean, he would already gone through. So this was boring shit to him. Yeah. <laughs> but I would sit there and just pull yeah. everything out and just kind of go through it. You huh.
0: Know? Okay. All right. Well, let's see. give
1: us something to talk yeah. about, too, you know.
0: Okay, what's Cape man
2: Rickles saying here, uh, Mikey? I don't know. I haven't played the video yet, but uh, all right. the article says he just
0: praises uh, Paige. So okay. I'm to try to play it here. Can we – let's see if we can hear the audio of Rickles. He's the real
3: deal. Hats off to him and his camp. Start over. Lost the fight. MVP is the real deal. Hats off to him and his camp. I'm an entertainer, baby. I put it all on the line, man. I, I went after his ass. I got cut bad. He outclassed me, son. That's just the truth of it. Um, I really, really felt good going to this fight. I wanted to get him, but he's the real deal, son. I mean, I want to see what he does in this game. So, hats off to MVP again. Uh, Follow your dreams, people. I took this out tonight, but a kid from Derby, Kansas just flew to London to get in a fist fight and made a bunch of money, and it's not about the money, man, but it does feel good. I do like the money. (laughs) So uh, just, uh, man, Derby, Kansas, dude. I was just a kid with a dream. That's all it was. So uh, I'm here now and uh, took this out tonight. Again, hats off to MVP and his camp.
0: Well, okay, but that doesn't really explain to us. Yeah, That's the only thing I could really find. He he wasn't officially interviewed or anything like that. Yeah. That's got to not be good in the eyes of the promoter, is it?
1: No, I'm thinking what's going on here is that you're getting your ass kicked, and it sucks. Mm -hmm. It sucks to be in a fight and have that moment of clarity where you as a fighter – are being, you know, because there's, there's not a lot of illusions once the fight starts, you mm-hmm. know. And all of a sudden, when the math in your head clicks and you realize, I'm not going to fucking win this thing. Mm-hmm. There's always the ability to catch somebody. So, I mean, there's always a chance to win. So that, that's why you stay in the fight, though. But, but fighters, we do that math real quick. You can go in your head and go, fuck, this guy's faster than I am or shit, I can't hit him with my best shot, or I did hit him with my best shot, and he didn't fucking budge, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Not always the best fighter wins, but we know who, you know, fighters can kind of know, you're a better fighter than I am, you know what I mean? Mm And I've lost to guys that I am a better fighter than they are, and I've beaten guys that they're really a better fighter than I am. I just, on that night, I caught them. Um, It's just, that's at this level of MMA how it goes. But what I'm thinking would happen with Rickles is that he got caught with a shot. And when that shot happened, he was already, did the math in his head when he sat there on the stool in the first round, realized he was completely outmatched. Mm-hmm. There was no way he was going to win this fight without catching him. That, you know, that X's and O's, MVP was the better fighter. And so I think that once he had a bad enough cut and realized that he was sliced, it was his doorway out, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we say that where guys are looking for an excuse to quit, but usually it's not that obvious. Usually it's more or less like here's one that's not obvious and probably people going to be pissed when I say this. Cain Velasquez, right? Mm-hmm. That guy never hardly ever quits ever, mm-hmm. but I'll show you a fight where he did. Mm-hmm. It was against Verdum. If you watch the fight with Verdum, he's getting ready to get knocked out on his feet, mm. right? Mm-hmm. He's getting jabbed. His feet are all over the place. He's he's in trouble. He shoots a double and puts his neck right into a guillotine. Mm. He gives it mm-hmm. to Verdum because it was easier just to get submitted than to continue getting his ass beat on his feet. Yeah. So that's when you say when fighters, we look for a way out. You know what I mean? Um it happens. You know I mean? I, I did that one time early in my career against a guy that paid a pono. And, you know, I was losing the fight. You know, it was first fight back from injury. Mentally still not 100%. As soon as I got cut, like it freaked me out for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It just, you know. And then once he got into a good position, you know, on half guard, he started hitting me with shots. I could hear the referee say, improve your position. I just kept my guard up, knowing that, oh, well, the fight will be finished. You know what I mean? So fighters usually that's more or less the way they'll do it you know like not by tapping not by getting the referee to involve but you know we kind of all know as fighters you see that guy that kind of doesn't fight back or doesn't improve his position you're like oh okay he's done he's not gonna quit verbally so the crowd Mm -hmm. sits and goes oh you quit but he's quitting do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, it's mm-hmm. a, a really finite difference, but it's like, ah, eh, he quit. You know, he stopped fighting back. He didn't want it anymore. He looked now, he goes, he, you know, he just he curled up into a ball and, and, and he knows we know the rules. You sit there and hit me six or seven times unanswered. You know what I mean? I mean I, you can see there's guys like in my last fight with Fedor. I don't even remember the last six or seven shots. Mm-hmm. That's not me throwing in the towel. Right. And, but you see those guys that are not really hurt. But they're kind of, you know, it's like, oh, you're not really hurt. You're not. Well, why aren't you improving your position? Mm-hmm. But for a guy on his feet off a cut, just to wave it off, essentially that's what he's doing—the same thing. But he just—he didn't even try to hide it. You know, it was just—you know, there's no way around it. That's
0: very candid of you too, because I don't know if I've ever heard anybody admit that. I mean, that's an open secret. People have talked about it all the time, but it's usually in reference to someone else. Oh yeah, like no, what I've you quit, quit about before.
1: That, that fight, I quit. And, and that's what made me the fighter that I am, though, that I improved. That's why martial arts is so good for you. Mm-hmm. If you watch the fight, the second fight I had with... Uh,
0: uh, um, guerra
1: Brock Lesnar.
0: Oh, huh.
1: Brock caught my arm from half guard and caught my arm behind my neck, mm-hmm. right? He was underneath my head and he caught my, my tricep in the first round. At one point, all I could do was put my hand in front of my face and he's blasting me. Mm-hmm. I, hard shots. Mm-hmm. When I the bell ends, I get up, my face, I'm draining blood. I smiled because I conquered that demon. Mm-hmm. Because that demon that haunted me before against Pato where when things went bad in a fight where I was like, fuck, where's the door? because of always being a big, strong, fast athlete. I was mm-hmm. always very intelligent. I picked things up so quickly. Everything athletically came easy to me at, as a young man. Mm-hmm. That's not a good recipe for mental toughness. Right. So it wasn't until after the accident that I got a lot of my athleticism put on hold for a while
4: mm-hmm.
1: Then all of a sudden the Pato fight brought out my insecurities. And then I saw, oh shit, I'm really a coward when shit gets hard, wow. And then I didn't like how it looked. I didn't like how it made me feel. Mm. It kept me up for weeks. There's still times now I have a hard time. Like I'll sit there in my head and I'll go, fuck, I did that. The only thing that gives me any kind of solace is that now I know that I've met the same situations and fought through them. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's the thing when people talk about, oh, being mentally tough, it's like, eh, you know, you could be born into a situation that creates mental toughness. But mental toughness is definitely not a nature thing. I think it's a nurtured thing, you know. Around you, you know, whatever you know, uh, environment you're in, does it invoke you to have to persevere and rise? And that's one good thing about martial arts and all sports in general. But martial arts, most specifically, that one-on-one battling, that no matter how much of a pussy you started out, if you stick through it i don't care how many times you get knocked down if you're willing to get back up it's going to make you a better person it's going to make you tougher and that's why you know the noguera fight i was able to come back from behind Mm -hmm. and win in such a submission because even when i was rock silly those thoughts of oh fuck i don't want to be here anymore are gone now anytime a situation gets bad i just try to think of solutions i'm like oh fuck this sucks which way do I go? You know, how do I fix this? How do I go? Because mm-hmm. pain is irrelevant it 's kind of like when people you know I, I actually started just carp- carp- compartmentalizing mm-hmm. different aspects It's like, well, what am I really afraid of?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know like, well, what really is making you afraid right now like right there against you know a Venom page, mm-hmm. what was Rickles really afraid of? Mm-hmm. W- looking silly if you think about it it 's pride. pride is probably the number one thing that most fighters. Is our greatest fear is our ego, right? Not physical pain because we don't really feel pain during the fight, and it's not that we're superhuman. We're just like anybody else. It's like uh, it's like being in a car wreck. Anybody gets in a fender bender, you don't really feel it while it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Now look, thirty minutes later, you're like, oh fuck, my neck, I can't look anywhere. But while the accident happened, you can get out of the car. I've, I've talked to people who've gotten out of a car, foot's broke, you know they're whiplash like a motherfucker, but they got out of the car, looked, went and checked on the other person, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, all of a sudden the adrenaline settles down. I'm like, oh shit. I don't feel right. Mm-hmm. Same thing with fighting. I've taken shots and it's not pain, but it's ego that's the hardest thing. So then that's where I, I broke it down. Okay, what's the worst thing in the world to me? Is it getting my ass kicked? Is that really what scares me the most? Or does quitting make me feel the th- Yeah. And I realized for me, I'm like, well, look, everybody gets their ass kicked eventually. If you face tough enough competition, it's going to happen. But quitting is a choice. I can choose not to quit and just die, you know? Mm-hmm which I always thought was preferable. You know, like now I do, you know, because I've seen both sides of it. I've seen me get my ass kicked, and I've seen me quit, and I've looked at it and gone, oh, yeah, quitting is way uglier. You know, -hmm. you you go out there and compete, it happens as far as ass whoopings. Mm -hmm. Um, But quitting and doing that, like hopefully, you know, Rickles could be a better person now because if he looks at it, he'll be disgusted with it. You know, Mm -hmm. as he gets older, he'll look and go, what the fuck? Why – you know, fuck that. I'll take my ass whooping. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm not going to 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 throw in the towel this easily.
0: Well, and I think also talking about um, that in those terms, if you quit, and, you know, when we say quit, I mean, if you essentially chose not to adhere to the referee's admonishment right. that hey you got to improve your position people don't talk about that fight in your history the way that they do the Noguera fight or the Lesnar fight I mean the yeah. Lesnar fight was on the best probably got to be the biggest stage you ever had that was UFC yeah. 200 the Noguera fight is I think for most people are arguably your greatest win because of the back and forth that was yeah. going on that round and everything um but that also goes to show you if you're you're laying this all out as a cautionary tale, that you experienced that on a lower level in a fight that, you know, is not one of the more talked about fights of your career so that you were prepared to persevere on the bigger stages, mm-hmm. one which resulted in a signature victory, the other in a loss, but in, I, I guess you would say, a moral victory. In fact, as you were talking about it, I think your wife told me one time that that was her favorite fight that you ever had, was the second Brock Lesnar fight. And it surprised me at first when she said that, just because you think, well, that was a loss. Wouldn't you take a win? And she said, no, because of everything that factored into it, that she saw that that perseverance like you were just right. saying as a victory in and of itself which now that you kind of put that picture in the frame sort of tells me she probably was seeing mm-hmm. a lot yeah, of everything you just laid her. out right yeah because
1: i controlled everything that was within my control yeah i you know i, I did everything i could possibly in the fight uh, lesnar's w- was a better grappler than i am at that point in the career and, and caught my wrist very well against the cage in the second round and was able to get the stoppage uh and so but I mean, I came back in the second round after the first round being pinned down and, and, and my ass beat for a good three or four minutes mm-hmm. of it, you know, trying to knock him out, you know, and trying to kill him, and jumped up and did a flying knee. You know, uh, my ambition to finish him was was mm-hmm. uh, obviously was there, and then the Nogueira fight it came to fruition that I was able to come through with a, a, a finish. But the part that she was happy about was that I slayed that inner demon, and you know what. And here's the thing. I don't think he's ever fully dead. That's when people sit there and go, oh, okay, well, you know, you know, I've accomplished this goal. It means I own it. I'm like, "Yeah, just because you slay that demon once, he doesn't mean he goes away. So I'm always cautious of my training, of my mindset to make sure that if I see something I do and I'm like, oh, there, I see that. That's the that's evil head of that. Quitter, you know, or of that, you know, uh, that weakness starting to ever come back. I'm very aware of, of, and I have my steps of techniques and how to address it, you know, and uh, and try to push my boundaries because everybody has a breaking point. Mm-hmm. I hate when people tell me I I, I won't be broken. I'm like yeah. Eh, then you know what? You've never been pushed hard enough because I have friends that are, are military, SAS, you know, uh, been shot and captured by the you know by the enemy. They're some of the toughest motherfuckers you'll ever meet in your life. And I'll be like, hey, did you ever break? And they'll be like, yes, I had my moments that I've broken before. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. But where they break and where the average human being breaks is <laughs> it's a huge gap. But yeah. there's still a breaking period, you know? But what you try to do is prolong that as far as you can, and you have techniques to build up and and try to handle it, you know, and and persevere through it and accomplish it. Just like anything else, I mean, it's just leverage and tools. It's science to try to overcome and and, and defeat things.
0: Let's also uh, take a look at uh, Bellator's new middleweight champion here. I think you know his name, Gaygard Musasi. He uh, def- defeated uh, Rafael Carvalho in the main event of uh, Bellator 200 in the uh, first round and snapped what was a long winning streak by Carvalho. I think it was nine fights, 12 fights. I mean, pull that up, Mikey, Rafael Carvalho. Um, see what his record is. Uh, you're seeing uh, Musasi here uh, basically from the start of the round, Frank, just uh, wearing like a, a backpack. Um, boy, Musasi is a guy. I mean, this was another— big free agent signing for Bellator. And I think because he is so quiet and often sleepy looking <laughs> that um uh this may be the kind of fighter that is going to have to compete a couple of times uh at this level, maybe even as their champion in Bellator before the more casual fan really comes to fully appreciate what he can do. Carvalho is fifteen and two. Fifteen and two and had not lost since his first fight so that means so that that was what a 15 and that was a 15 fight win streak 15 fights damn last loss was in 2011 his very first fight so um what do you think about Musasi as uh the new bellator middleweight champion i think he's a
1: great fighter i mean shit he was in the top five of the ufc before he left Mm -hmm. uh and possibly was working his way towards title contingency you know uh uh, I think his last fight, he had a win over Chris Weidman. Mm-hmm. You know, who Weidman is one of the best fighters, and <laughs> he'd probably be the champion again eventually here the, in, in, at the UFC era. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's a great addition to anybody that have the strap. He's one of the top fighters in the world. I, I don't think anybody can say that you know that uh, that all you know the UFC middleweight champ can necessarily just destroy the Bellator middleweight champ. It's like nah, I don't know, man. no. Yeah. I think yeah. the fact that now you have a real legitimate. One of the top guys, arguably in the world at 185, is now their champion. You know, if if he his, his stayed in the UFC, he might be the UFC middleweight champion,
0: right? That's now. a good point. I mean, at this point, it establishes some some parity in between uh, promotions. Here's the finish, by the way. Uh, Carvalho is covered up, referee's telling him to fight back. Musasi's um, dropping bombs, and there's the finish of the fight.
1: Yeah, because you know what? I got to be honest with you. If right now Robert Whitaker and Gegard, and we're going to fight each other. I think I'm taking Gegard.
0: Interesting. What about Yoel Romero? Who do you like in that one Uh, between him and Musasi?
1: I might go with Gegard, too, on that one. Mm -hmm. Five-round fight? Yeah. Gegard. Three-round fight, Yoel.
0: Wow. Yeah. And, of course, we're about to see Whitaker and uh, Yoel rematch for the uh, UFC middleweight title. Well, good things happening over there in Bellator. All right. So, here's what we're going to do. Um, to pull back the production curtain, a couple of days ago, Frank and I were up here taping and we started out on the show. This was, it was Saturday. No, was it Saturday? Yeah. When was it? Yeah. It was before the Till fight because we were talking about Till missing weight, yeah. yet the fight was going on. Okay. So what happened was uh, we were taping and uh, uh, we had to cut it short. Frank got called away for a meeting. So uh, what you're going to hear is is uh, us talk about uh, Frank's birthday, his big birthday, and then I am going to uh, bring a dark cloud over the entire room uh, by telling a uh, harrowing and depressing tale of my youth. So that we're going to end on that high note. So I will now go back in time. I think we did this on the last episode, too, with too Ricky too, too. Rocket. Yeah. yeah, We will now go back in time for the second half of the show, and uh, you can uh, uh, go back in the Wayback Machine with us a couple of days way back to when we were here. Okay, here we go. Uh, here we go, Mikey. Hold on. <laughs> doodly-doo, doodly-doo, doodly-doo. Frank, this episode of Phone Booth Fighting is brought to you by T Nation all over the United States. We are hearing from Phone Booth Fighting listeners' mails. Who are uh, passing their 30s, getting into their 40s, maybe they're all the way up into their 50s and their 60s. They're going to lowtnation.com. They're calling the toll free number, and shortly thereafter, life is changing for them. Maybe you can explain a little bit about how that works.
1: Well, that's why I brought Brian on the show to be.
0: Yeah, we've got Brian Lacey, before. Uh, before, Frank's uh, before and yeah. after, no. Frank's they're, ACB. i are
5: going to low tee me up. We're going to get my wife to comment on the improvement within the bedroom and physically. You won't take month-long fighting. trips anymore. <laughs> this is this is the, the last time I'm wearing clothes, so, <laughs> so
1: it'll work. She not let him out of the house anymore.
0: That's uh, if you're watching on our phone booth fighting YouTube channel, you see uh, Brian Lacey, Frank's ACB commentary partner, up there on uh, Skype all the way from the UK. So he'll be uh, joining us. But uh, yeah. first, more on that from Frank.
1: Yeah, Low T Nation. You give Brandon and uh, Jason Weeks there a give a call. They'll give a consultation over the phone, see if you're even a uh, a prospect for it. If it's something that could help you out. If it sounds like you're checking off the right boxes uh, they'll give you go ahead and give you direction to one of the local uh, blood draws a um, uh clinic clinic mm-hmm. what's the name of the one we always like
0: use? LabCorp. LabCorp. Yep. thank
1: you a lab core, which you have one in almost every state uh, or you have one in every state almost in every every major city at that point they'll draw your blood and that's pretty much the most physical effort you're gonna have to put forward most inconvenience you're gonna have because after that they'll have the physicians analyze the uh, results and if uh, anything you're required to get you back to feeling at 100% where you're firing on all cylinders all your hard work you'll get the most out of it you'll leverage your uh, your your work ethic and uh, it'll be shipped directly to your door
0: at that point everything comes. Comes right to your door, and uh, you turn back the clock from there. So it's uh, lowtnation.com is the website. The toll-free number is right there. Be sure to tell them that Frank and myself sent you, and you can be the next success story among many phone booth fighting listeners who are turning back the hands of time thanks to lowtnation.com. The show also brought to you, Frank, by... Elfson Coffee Company. ElefsonCoffeeco.com is the website. Our buddy Dave Ellefson, the uh, bass player of the legendary thrash metal band Megadeth, has himself a coffee company. And uh, it is uh, coffee with a metal theme, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that is a match made in heaven for me. Uh, go to com and you'll see what I'm talking about. Dave is a coffee connoisseur and he's got some amazing roasts, many of which have musical themes. Uh, he's got a Queenswire uh, Reich roast, he's got uh, an autograph roast, he's got a Skid Row roast. Uh, no, is this
5: Megadeth coffee? Is this Megadeth coffee? It basically is, Brian. Oh. Oh, yeah. my God, man. It's, yeah. Unless it's laced with cocaine, it's not rock and roll enough for me. Look at it, it, this. This well, is awesome. Well, Megadeth roast.
0: Yeah, he does have the Kenya Thrash, which it's is, uh, yeah, that, that's a pretty heavy. infused... still pass infused. the drug test, but you feel good. Now. Yeah. <laughs> and to my knowledge, Brian, so far, no uh, British metal bands have their own roast yet, but I'm sure that's going to change. Listen, surely, surely De- Death
5: Leopard are working on yep. it, but they can only do the one-arm plunger thing. That is all they've got. That's the uh
1: the, the Have French we ever press. told that's you the story? That, <laughs> that's a drummer reference, right? There, Frank.
0: Yeah, yeah. The guy yeah. lost his arm. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, 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 I knew that. That's yeah, still yeah.
5: badass. Yeah. Still a yeah. badass drummer that's Yeah, how, that's how good we do it in the UK. That's we right.
0: Do you know <laughs>
1: about our coffee story? Did no. I tell you what happened? No. One of like of oh, those moments oh, where you just is, like.
0: It's this fun- is when
5: this is when you know we're supposed to be together because we uh we, we consider ourselves intelligent human beings, <laughs> okay? So, but there was a point where we realized we're both as stupid as each other, and this is it. This is the one no, I, I felt I very
1: different. uh savant like at this moment, where yeah, you know, at some moments you have like you know, like there's, there's some times where Brian and I are like, damn, dude, that was fucking clever, bro. You know, yeah, like, you know, and there's some times, and this is, is one of those open, times there. where I'm like, Shit, we're stupid. What happened? <laughs> so, uh, Mrs. Mirror gets me this little like. Portable espresso coffee type maker where all you got to do is get some hot water. Yeah, and it, it's basically meant for people to camp and stuff. And you put your grinds but inside, let's, the let's thing, ju- and let's you just can set pump the
5: scene as well. <laughs> let's set the scene because because we're doing shows for four, five, sometimes six hours at a time. Right, and, and no one gets us drinks. We haven't got anyone running around for us. And, and if anybody the so an acb
0: format, for a there's no breaks. Yeah, so it's there's fight no breaks, after fight yes. after fight. Yeah, and so I, I, I believe mean, I believe their their, uh, their 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 mantra is more fights, less coffee. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
5: Less (laughs) caffeine, more more fighting. But so Frank turned up with this little gadget and oh my goodness, we thought this is a game changer for us to
1: carry on. Because yeah. you know, some of the places we go to doesn't have access to anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not like a 7-Eleven across the street mm-hmm. there in uh, you know, Dushanbe. So you know you're right?
0: bringing small appliances now right? overseas with you, okay? <laughs> so we're at the hotel. We're so excited yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: then Brian even like one-ups me again. He's like, well, what do we need? I'm like, well, when we get to the arena, all we have to worry about is if we can find hot water. Mm. He goes, oh, well, you know what? I'll go and I'll buy a thermos. So he does, he gets a thermos. Mm -hmm. He goes, and there's a Starbucks at our hotel. (laughs) I'll go there and get them to fill it with hot water. (laughs) And then we sat pressing coffee with coffee dripping
5: down our new suits. So here's the thing. uh, This thing
1: takes a lot of fucking effort to get a shot of coffee out of it. So it's like this little pump. I'll bring it in one time so you can see me. So I'm pumping away at this thing. (laughs) I mean like breaking a sweat to get like a half a cup, a shot of espresso, right? Uh It's like effort. You know what I mean? There's grinds all over the fucking place and I'm like trying to wipe it up. And like I've made a complete mess and I'm sitting there with this thermostat and Brian's over my shoulder looking he's all, I should have filled that up with coffee, huh? Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but this, this, no,
1: the, the way it actually fell
4: because this was the
5: moment we both looked at each other. So we, we, we were pressing away, and it was ridiculous because we we're commentating yeah. while he's making coffee at the same <laughs> time. And uh, and then he, he goes, "Hot oh, water's really hot, bro. Where where do you get it from?" And I, I said Starbucks, and he just looked at me, was <laughs> like.
0: Oh, I know that look, <laughs> dude. Dude,
5: that, that's when we knew it was a marriage made in heaven, mate. That's two two well, fools will never differ. Let's well, put it that way.
0: Maybe what we need to do is send uh, some elfs and coffee on the road with you. So uh, we take care of all that, and you can just bypass Starbucks altogether. Uh, elephsoncoffeeco.com is the website once again. And if you use the promo code PHONEBOOTH at checkout, that's promo code PHONEBOOTH at checkout, it's going to save you 10% off your entire order. So uh, quality coffee there with uh, a rock and roll vibe. At EllefsonCoffeeCo.com, remember to enter the promo code PHONEBOOTH at checkout all right it is
5: i I know i've i've walked all over your adverts and i'm also walking all over your leg now but i've got to say this gents You've you've got testosterone as your one of your sponsors. Check and coffee. This is this Check. is middle aged podcasting. <laughs> yeah. If your next one, if your next one is hummus or some sort of ankle or whatever, we need we need a, a Viagra Cialis tick, tick, sponsor. All, and we're good. Take <laughs> all the boxes. This is this is middle aged men podcasting, and I'm proud to be part of it. Uh, that's I'm right. Proud to be part of it. This segment, oh, pretty
1: soon we'll be even again.
5: Yeah, not far, mate. Four days. Four
1: yeah, days. Four we're days. Even
0: what, Even. what are you talking about?
1: Well, his birthday's on the thirty-first. Oh. seventy nine.
0: Oh, oh, right. You're I'm basically not, the same yeah, age. I got yeah, you. Okay. I'm seven days older. Than oh, me. happy birthday early yeah. there. Uh,
5: Thank uh, Brian. you, my yeah. friend. There yeah. we go. I always respect my older, wiser, mis- Partner, Mister Frank Mayer. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll follow his li- <laughs> his lead.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh well, what we're doing is it is it is actually saturday morning here in uh, the united states brian's over there in uh, the uk but uh frank wanted to get up early on a saturday morning and uh do a podcast and by god that's what we're doing uh we got brian skyping in nick diaz is not with us uh to my knowledge he is still in jail uh did you hear about this one frank what happened did you hear about this brian no, Nick. Tell her, tell Nick got himself in some trouble. He's sitting in the uh, the Vegas jail right now. It Apparently, Thursday
5: violent. Oh, marted. I did hear about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. domestic uh, domestic abuse. Yeah, broke some lady's hip or something. That's
0: the charge. Uh, uh, broke yeah. a hip.
5: That's that's what I heard. The rumors were that, that, that is he dating anyway, someone that's
0: eighty allegedly That'd Break a hip. Good lord! <laughs> He's trying He's to
5: get her off the stairlift with a with a heel hook and uh, and she fell awkwardly. That's all I know.
1: Well, is it was it. Is it a domestic? Does that mean they're somebody- calling it domestic? Yeah, well, that has to be someone you're living with.
0: Yeah, well, or dating. I think you could still. I think if it's like a girlfriend, you could still call it domestic dispute. or oh, really? Yeah, abuse or whatever. I mean, d- details are sketchy. I, as far as I've seen, no official statement from him. This is just from anonymously sourced reporting. But Thursday night, I guess, uh, very angry that he was not invited to your birthday party. Nick Diaz went off the rails here in Las Vegas. and uh, uh, the, I, I did see, I believe this was according to MMA Junkie, that uh, he re- they're saying he resisted arrest. And so 12 cop cars got called a wow. dozen cop cars yeah. to wow. take him in.
1: I think, the, you know, that's sometimes when all of a sudden you hear, you know, MMA fighter, you know. Yeah. Not realizing it's like I don't care how many chokes you know, one stun gun to the chest and two or three officers tackling you. That'll do it. Steep Miocci game fighting back. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's going to – it's a losing battle. 12 seems a little bit of an overkill, but, hey, you know what? Uh, better to his safety because the safer the cops feel the less chance of you you know yeah getting you know seriously dangerously hurt you know
0: well let me pose this question to the panel then because i was thinking about this and you know of course nick's gonna have his day in court and we'll see if all this is legit or not but if you look at just the general legend and mystique of the diaz brothers when they've you know they've, they've hit these speed bumps i mean i think nate right now is being accused of uh uh assaulting clay guida at some like regional Stockton mma slapping card it. or something
5: Stockton slapping yeah. yeah yeah an mma show
0: so he's got that you know they got that in front of him and when you think about it here are two guys who to me are some of the biggest i would say in terms of infamy two of the biggest mma fighters of all time fan favorites outlaws you know legends and in infamy that kind of stuff. Always showed up to fight, you know, always exciting fighters, made a lot of money, were part of some very big fights, but also I think when it's all said and done, people may marvel at how much money they left on the table, by number 1 being inactive, number 2 probably having some real questionable management at times, and then number 3 having these kinds of things happen amid, you know, year-long suspensions for joints and things like I mean it's just going to be I think when it's all said and done it's going to be a very confusing looking patchwork of careers for these guys in that sense. What do you think? But
5: yeah, but in 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 their own way they they are not just outlaws, but they're outliers. They're completely yeah. um they're completely different. They exist in their own sphere. They they march to the beat of their own drum. It's one of those things where there's a lot of people that talk the talk as far as promos. But if you're in you're in a fight with Nick or Nate Diaz, if you bump into each other in a car park, that's gonna happen. That's that's not them just talking. That's not holding yeah. back. This that's that's going down. And and they come from a, a, a yeah a hard background. They they are Uh, a complete unit as far as the diaz brothers they they have each other's back nick Diaz is nate diaz's mentor they fight in a very individual style they are so dedicated as athletes and brazilian jiu-jitsu players that i i find them fascinating they are two two of my favorite fighters individually and as as a as a pack if you like um so this is this this sort of stuff. I have no idea about the domestic abuse. I don't know what the circumstances or what the actual thing is around that. But the the fact that they are two people that do not bow down to just dollar signs being thrown at and have not just uh, crumbled under Dana White's pressure or uh, the UFC's. I I think they're fascinating. I think they're fantastic. And I think that I think the sport needs them. We'll wait to find out what's happening with as far as Nick Diaz and what how that unfolds. But all the stuff before that, if you're talking career-wise, I, th- I think they're, they're they're special.
0: What do you think? Do you see my point, Frank? Yeah, about no, how it's going to be kind of confusing looking yeah, decades I think this later. Is a
1: situation where, like you know, I think that they are uh, they have a lot of great attributes, and the fact that they're so consistent, and, and and just like all the points that Brian brings up, I just wish they would have had somebody in their life that wouldn't have changed them, allow them to be who they are, and have that. You know, mm-hmm. that, that streak to them that makes them the DS brothers, but almost kind of at the same time be that buffer that kind of protects them from the worst qualities of their personality. You know, like, you know, I actually just brought them up the other day. We were talking, uh, some fans, you know, of, of MMA were at the uh, Starbucks, you know, and so I was sitting there and they were, they were asking questions and someone said something. One of the people actually brought up, you know, ah, DS brother, man. And I'm like, hey, you know what? whether it's your cup of tea or not, you have to respect them. He goes, what do you mean? I'm all, hey, you know what? I've seen those guys. They're the type of person, like you have dinner with them and they're respectful to you. But when the waiter comes over, they treat the waiter like shit because they know they can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Diaz brothers, whether you agree with their behavior or not, I've always said this, I've watched them flip off Dana. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, And that's their body. Cut fucking cut me. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, production crews, you know, here to f- do filming. We need you here at this time. Don't show up. You know and, I admire their consistency that at least they're very much, it's not an act, it's who they are. But again, some of those qualities have where it endears them to fans, that outlier, uh, outlaw that, you know, I mean, the the quintessential bad boy really of, of MMA, right? But it has hurt them financially. Yeah. If they just would have had that, somebody they would have, you know, you know. I know they respect Cesar Gracie a lot, but I think sometimes, uh, Cesar, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah, mess Caesar. up the wrong Gracie. Yeah. Get them bad at me, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, uh, but sometimes he might not have been the greatest role model as far as uh, avoiding aggression. He's kind of known amongst you know uh, amongst a lot of the Gracies as a more aggressive you know jump on you type you know personality himself, mm. so if they had maybe had somebody else in the group that would have been somebody they respect as a warrior, like maybe like you know I, I don't know. Henzo seems to you know, not get into too many disputes outside of you know, somebody who's extremely tough but able to guide. If they would have had somebody maybe like that or a, a like-minded you know, former boxer, somebody they could have respected as a fighter mm-hmm. and as a warrior, they are okay, he's a man's man, but at the same time, you know, be able to direct them like, okay, look, I, I I know what you're thinking right now, but let's not do this. Mm-hmm. You know? Hold on. You know, let's, let's go this direction. Let's actually show up for this meeting. Let's, you know, let's not break out the vape pen right in the middle of the fucking interview. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, eh, no, you know, you know, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I think they would have uh, to your point without killing <laughs> too much of what makes them who they are. Um, it would have helped them out financially. I think there's a lot of money they could have made more. You know, especially when you think about it. Nate Diaz is one and one with the biggest money maker in the world, yeah. Conor McGregor. Yeah. What are the chances of him getting that third fight right now? Well, it's not looking great. Mm-hmm. You know, and due to just things that he doesn't handle properly outside the cage more than what happens in.
0: And you know, I think guys, what makes that even more confusing is as I stand back and look at it contrary to somebody like Conor McGregor who Conor McGregor spends a lot of money he looks like he spends a lot of money he, wa- he dresses like he spends a lot of money i mean you know if he goes broke it's going to be obvious why right yeah. he, i mean you literally watched him do it but the thing with the diaz brothers I mean, how expensive are black V-neck T-shirts? I'll tell you, because I wear them all the time. Not very expensive. It's like they're the kind of guys who, because they they live more of a Spartan-type lifestyle, could either be broke at the end of their career or they could have all of their money at the end of their career. You know what I'm saying? Kind of to your point about the guidance. They're not it's renting like, yachts. No, they're and I don't think they would be missing out on the their life. Biggest
1: spend might be at the dispensary, you know? Right. <laughs> I, <laughs>
0: there's I, only
1: I, so much I, weed you can smoke. Right, that, right? Even for the DSP. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that that and a couple of good mountain bikes. You yeah. know? I mean it's like I don't think the life that they wanted to live would not it would, would be out of reach if they save that money. Yeah. I just think it's gonna be a very strange story when it's all said and done it's not it's not going to be totally it's going to be a mixed bag because well, I mean, I, you're going to have this incre- these incredible careers. You're going to have these incredible moments. You're going to have some really good paydays. Well, and then you're going to have some times where you look at it and you go, ooh, that was a missed opportunity. I,
1: it's because I think they, they greatly suffer from social anxiety. Yeah. I 100% feel like if they were ever to go to a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist and get diagnosed, mm-hmm. they'd be like, yeah, hey, you guys, they are not meant to talk on a microphone to a bunch of people. Like, you know, some people, like right now, especially in the era of social media, those individuals that want to be famous, mm-hmm. they don't want to be famous. They really don't. Yeah. They purely fight for the reason that they like to fight and they can get paid to do it. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. You know what I mean? Like, maybe being known as a badass amongst their group is about as far as I think they ever care. To you know, extend their reputation. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, again, having that mentor probably would have helped them out because I think that's the other thing that hurts them is that, you know, when it's all said and done, they don't want to be in the limelight. I think they're happy with almost burning down this creation so that they don't have to worry about being famous when this is all over with, knowing that it's kind of too late for that anyways.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well. Uh you know, I, I I think the latest I saw was was Nick was going to be able to get sprung this morning, but it was something like he had to wait to go in front of a judge. I think his bail was eighteen thousand bucks or something. Well, like and that.
1: Well, I think with d- domestics and stuff like that, there's a automatic waiting period too.
0: Yeah, I think that you and, can't get bailed
1: out. But certain and, time,
0: and now tell you just to just to 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 punctuate the point when I heard an eighteen thousand dollar bail, and I you know I've 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 had very uh uh surface dealings with the Diaz brothers in terms of interviewing himself, which has always you know been been positive in my experience but so i don't I'm not saying I have any inside knowledge, but just based on the whole conversation we were just having, you know when I heard eighteen thousand dollars, I thought Nick either has that in his pocket or he may have to call somebody like who knows it could be one, it could be the other, you just don't know so. Anyway,
1: I don't know how they are financially. I mean, I I do know that looking at them, they don't look like they blow their money. Right. They're not walking around with, you know, $20,000
0: watches. If they're missing money, it's because somebody, and I hope this didn't happen to them, but somebody may have. Gotten a hold of it, you know, through percentages and fees and all that kind of stuff, where they just never even saw it. And I, I hope mean, that and wasn't the case. Pretty healthy
1: in point. every other aspect.
0: I mean, vegans. Yeah. Hey, listen, I I, I I don't need a couple of fellow vegans going down hard like this.
5: <laughs> Not in that way. But Nick, I think, has still got an issue with this Nevada State Athletic Commission off the back yeah. of his
0: suspension. So he hasn't paid
5: the final part of his fine, which I believe is $70,000, yeah. Uh, yeah. which he needs to pay that final uh, sum to actually be sanctioned. So that, I know there was talks about that happening because they were talking about him maybe coming back to fighting, um, but also that ridiculous fine they put on him for that the, the, for for being high while fighting Anderson yeah. Silva, which, which is uh, whether he was high when he fought him or not, but obviously he tested positive for the metabolites. That's one but of those rules
1: we're going to look back on 10, yeah. 15 years from now. That's going to be stupid. Yeah, no, but, we're all going to be no, like, it's, really? It's already Someone got. It's I mean, yeah. already stupid. But yeah, Brian... it's dumb now, But I think we'll never. Even, uh, no one's going to have an argument,
0: you know. Yeah, but see, Brian just made a great point though. That mm-hmm. that thing, the fact that that's hanging over his head, and that may not have been completely paid off. That's like a Floyd Mayweather problem. That's like where he's acting rich poor. Where it's like, you know, when Mayweather, before Mayweather fought Conor McGregor, he had to ask the IRS for extra time to pay off the taxes from two years prior when he fought Manny Pacquiao. It's like, you know, if if you're getting into these kind of weird situations where you make these crazy huge paydays, but you're, you're, it's kind of like, it's kind of like having a... I don't know, like a big credit card balance or something like that. Yeah. You know, where you're kind of paying it down well, and Robin you go Peter back, back up. Pay Paul At, type thing. Yeah. That's what. That's the yeah. the phrase. So, trust I'm me, for. everybody
1: that comes across big paydays. I yeah. myself am guilty of that. Yeah, you start spending like sure. you know that the next payday will be the same. Yeah, but all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, well, you have an idea of what you budgeted for taxes and this and that. Yeah. Okay, well, we gotta have this much in the bank. Then you know something happens. You're like, oh, we can just pull from that. I mean, because I'm fighting in four or five months, or this and that, and yeah. shit happens. also, next thing you know, you're like, oh fuck, yeah. I'm
0: in the hole. <laughs> I know it's easier said than done, but I swear, if I had that opportunity, uh, I my I would I would live no more of an extravagant lifestyle than I do right now. It's just the difference, Brian, is that I would use my discretionary income to torment my friends. So, like, I'd make a big payday, and then I'd think, okay, how can I fuck with Frank? With this extra money <laughs> that I've got, the best one I came up with. Tell me if you think it's a funny idea, Brian. Uh, a couple of uh, was, uh, maybe a year ago now, uh, I we were getting ready to tape the show, and Frank answered a call or something, and and on his phone, and he he you know, oh thanks for returning my call. Yeah, is, uh, Frank Mir, uh, you know, I was wondering if you can come out and look at our cable or whatever wasn't working. You know, some sort of household duty kind of thing. And when he got off the phone, I said, "Okay, Frank, hypothetical time. How much money would it take if I paid you?" Uh, uh, you know a million dollars for the next year but the catch is every time you answer the phone you have to say oh hi it's a uh, frank mirror two-time ufc heavyweight champion you have to say that every <laughs> single time you answer the phone and at first he, for a million bucks and at first frank was like oh fuck no i'd sound like a dick man everybody hate me and then two <laughs> seconds later he goes oh shit my <laughs> wife would make me god damn it <laughs>
5: yeah. that's true listen if you want to get on frank Meir's nerves and you've got a bit of extra money to do all you need to do is sit next to him for a day watch how much clash of clans he, he plays watch yeah. the pride he puts i've watched him compare his turrets and whatever else is in there next to anyone then when he's sat there so he's been doing this for years he's built this fortress this absolute mega fortress just buy the same in one day just sit there and then sit next to him and go oh. yes yeah, exactly the same mate one one day yeah one day not 72 hours yeah uh, right every yeah, yeah, 24 yeah.
0: hours every day yeah, hey check out do it check out my new black belt i just ordered it online oh, yeah, yeah it's crazy <laughs> it, was, it was wasn't that expensive yeah, right. they shipped it right money. to my house. <laughs> all right, so let's let's have – first of all, there's been a uh, lion's share of focus in the world of professional mixed martial arts over there on uh, Brian's side of the Atlantic in the last uh, 48 hours or so. We had Bellator 200 last night. We got uh, UFC Liverpool uh, later on tonight or tomorrow, however that time difference works out. But first, we're going to talk about uh, ACB coming to Brisbane, Australia, because if you haven't gotten on the ACB train yet – uh, you're late and you need to hurry up and get your ass down to the train station because uh, just about every other week, it seems like, Frank and Brian travel the world with ACB MMA calling the action. You can get it uh, free online. And you really watch some of the greatest fighters uh, available in mixed martial arts, guys who, who uh, aren't fighting over in uh, UFC or Bellator, but uh, uh, they're holding their own in terms of guys, uh, big names that they're drawing to, to uh, ACB, and also guys that are destined to do big things uh, either with the organization or even if they move from the organization at some point, like Zabit over in uh, UFC yeah. right now that's turning so many heads, this guy is the former former ACB featherweight champion. So you guys knew about him long before the rest of the uh, MMA world was trying to <clears throat> avoid fighting him. So let's just start there as far as what's going on over in Brisbane, because I know, uh, because I look at the stats, I look at the downloads that uh, Australia is one of our biggest international markets here on phone booth fighting. So when's the date and the location and who's fighting and what can you guys tell me?
1: Well, uh, June sixteenth, to Brian. You want to take off on all that? Yeah, stuff?
5: correct. Yeah, this of course. Is... Yeah. June sixteenth, we're coming to Brisbane. We're super excited to be going there. Uh, we did the Gold Coast just uh, just before Christmas, which was a, a great show. Really good fights. And what we saw when we went down there is Australia's a, a fight country. They they love it. They have got a huge Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, culture down there um because of the timing of the fights as well so fights will be excuse me bad camera work guys um the the fights will be on sunday at lunchtime so they're having barbecues out with uh ufc afternoons it's 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 a perfect time to watch um the ufc down there mma and uh, when we went down with acb we got a really good reception as well so we're going back which is exciting we've got a card as well which we think is going to catch the eyes of the fans down there we've got tiago silva returning to light heavyweight, going back down there against Chris Camozzi, making his ACB oh, yeah. debut. And Tiago Silva's just been awesome. Me and Frank have called his last last few fights, and in the last two fights in particular, he's gone back to the Tiago of old. And that's that's what excites me, just seeing this guy who's coming forward, taking risks, and knocking people out as well, mate. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, so he's increase you- his
1: output. you know, He's cut down weight really well. Uh, his new nutritionist, uh, Darren, has really helped him. I mean, he's made middleweight. Phenomenally. He mm-hmm. looks like he should have always been there and his workout, but he kind of lost that later on towards his run, even at the light heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, his work output kind of really seemed to come down. He, when he would throw, he would land hard and he would kill people's legs. He just wouldn't throw a lot. And now that he's made this adjustment in his training camp, went back to his roots, uh, his leg output <coughs> kicks have has increased again. And that's really what made him dangerous to begin with is that, you know, he'll eat your legs alive with the tie style that he likes to employ. And it's back.
0: So a couple of uh, <laughs> UFC veterans there at the top of the card with Kamosi and Silva. Yeah, Brian.
5: Yeah, I was just going to say, and Chris Camozzi, well, this is his debut, and he actually asked for this fight. He, he heard Tiago Silva. He used to be middleweight as well. He heard mm-hmm. Thiago Silva was now moving back up to light heavyweight. He's, he's fought in Australia, I think, three times before. Mm-hmm. So he's got a little bit of a, an af- affiliation with it. He's got he's, he's felt what it's like to fight in Australia, and uh, and he asked for the fight. So he said, I, I, I want to take on Tiago Silva. And anyone who knows Chris Camozzi, uh, he's good training partners with um, uh, Jean, uh, Jean Valente, Mm-hmm. as well as uh, Steve Miocic as well. He's been part of his team at Tough. But he's a fighter's fighter. He is going to absolutely bring it. He's well-rounded. He's tough. Uh, and when they said they'd signed him, I was, I was really excited because I know he's somebody, especially when you're looking at the bar and you are comparing to other promotions and that sort of stuff. The fact he's coming to us, he's asking to come to ACB, and also, we get to test our light heavyweights now against Chris Camozzi. That's that's, that's so exciting.
0: I'll throw in my two cents on Chris <coughs> Camozzi here, too, uh, perhaps a corner of the analysis that uh, uh, you boys might not be addressing. And that's the grenade that's tattooed right at the center of his chest. Now, what makes this interesting is Chris Camosi has a large chest piece that is centered around this grenade on his chest. But... Not a lot. Not really any other tattoos going on anywhere else. And to me, that is always the sign of somebody who's dangerous. Somebody who just goes <laughs> right to like, like who starts with the neck tattoo. You know what I'm saying? Like that's all you <laughs> no got.
5: Little, no little arm bracelet. No, thing, no little Celtic thing, but straight to a grenade exactly on your chest. Dude, I, yeah, I agree 100. You
0: know what I'm saying? Usually, you're working up. Like if if he were a chick, you would be scared shitless to date her. Because that would be like, something's wrong yeah. here. Something's going on. And the fact he's also a very uh, uh, pale guy, which makes it pop even more. And then he distracts you with his piercing blue eyes. So I yeah. think there's a lot going on there that Silva may be like, whoa, what am I what looking at here? We have a hard time
1: calling the fight now when they first stare off. <laughs> think of these, just know this is what will be going through my mind when they walk to the center. I'm like, shit, he does have some piercing blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. those blue eyes. Those blue, blue eyes. Yeah, that's for awesome. sure.
0: Who else is on this uh, card? Any, who else? Uh, anybody else? So you we've got there's some huge names. Honestly,
5: mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's it's a crazy card we put together. So uh, Luke Barnett will take on Karol Selinski. Luke Barnett also made the move up to light heavyweight. Has knocked out every single opponent he's ever fought at light heavyweight. He's undefeated in this weight class. The underlying story to this though is Karol Selinsky is Mohamed Khalidov's main training partner. So he was the one that mimicked Luke Barnett through Mohamed mm. Khalidov's camp to fight. Barnett in a middleweight ACB 54 they practiced one punch one punch they've talked about this this overhand right They just drilled it and drilled it and they caught Luke with it. I mean that they're, they're master tacticians over there at Olshton uh, um, uh, Burku Olshton, they're absolutely f- phenomenal tacticians. We always say that when they uh, mm-hmm. they bring their fighters uh, But this because it's got that underlying current Luke Barnett feels that this is one way to get a little bit of that, that on a back Solinsky's fit uh, has is, he was away from the game for about two years he came back in 2017 he's three and0 in the promotion a phenomenal boxer and he thinks he's going to be able to do the same to Luke Barnett so they're all respectful now but I promise you this is going this has got such a an underlying torrent that' it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating for me
1: uh, Solinski's interesting to watch the fight he he's not a traditional Striker as far as he doesn't keep his same foot forward and just throw your normal combinations Mm -hmm. of one, two. He, uh, He blitzes, he switch stances. You'll see him constantly changing angles and stepping out and switching lead legs. So he might start a combination with his left foot forward. Then he'll throw punches and switch with his right foot forward and try to step outside your lead leg and he throws combos. He's not a great power puncher, so he makes up for that with a lot of combinations and a lot of movement. And I've seen in the fight with Vinny Magalesh, he completely just you know shut him down, Vinny couldn't take him down, and even though Vinny actually probably hits harder when he would land, he just completely got outworked with just the different angles, and you know, and Luke is such a tall, long, and rangy fighter with a lot of power in his right hand, it's going to be an interesting stand-up battle.
0: So the date, uh, Brian, is June 16th there in Brisbane, Australia. Oh. And uh, I assume everybody can get tickets through. Uh... Tickets.
5: Yeah, tickets out now. Dead easy. acb.com backslash en. Uh, that will take you to uh, to the ACB 88 page. You can get your tickets directly through there. From $35 Australian, which I think works at about $25 uh, US. So the pricing is really good. Also, just for the BJJ fans down there, I've got a highlight. Rodolfo Vieira is on the card. Rodolfo Vieira multiple times. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, black belt, world champion, multiple-time uh, world champion. who's made the move to MMA. He's now 3-0 in MMA. Uh, two of the wins are by submission. And his last fight for ACB, his debut for ACB, got a TKO finish. And he is was heavyweight for BJJ. He has cut down to middleweight. And he is like in the most ridiculous shape. For somebody who is, this is their second sport now. This is the second run. His hands are so good, his striking is is really exciting. Um, and physically, he's made all the adjustments, the sacrifices to, to show he's going to take this seriously. So we're announcing his opponent in the next few days. Keep your eyes peeled for that. But also, just because he's on the card and, and Australians uh, are so keen on, on uh, the jiu-jitsu um, uh, life, he is going to be doing some seminars down there. And to have him on the card mm. is massive.
0: Now, for everybody who uh, can't be over there in Australia, what is the, the best way to uh, get online and, and watch the fights?
5: So for the fights, we will be streaming via our Facebook page, so AC Burkut on Facebook, at AC Burkut on Facebook um so go on there if you are in russia which i don't think many people are what's 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 your russian listenership like how's that doing
0: we have some actually and nice yeah and to be honest with you i i have noticed it increase uh the more acb fights frank does so i think it's creating awareness over there so we we, we do have some it's not one of those like we have a few countries um where like in botswana we have one person so, I, I sometimes I want to find, like, those countries where there's just, like, one or two people, and I, I, I have a dream that they meet each other, you know, and they're, like, the only <laughs> two phone people. Phone booth fighting meetup. Yeah, there's, like, two guys sitting in a Botswana <laughs> Starbucks. Phone
5: booth fighting grinder by the sounds of it. That's what it sounds more like. That's exactly. Dating at. Bots, Botswana meets... Uh, yeah, 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 you I like, well, have no idea go, what Brian's talking about
0: there with the grinder. you have to explain that to me later. Um <laughs> Listen, I'm Eng- I'm English, it's
5: part of our culture. We're good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah, so so and so the English version uh is maybe best uh, caught on Facebook Live, I would guess. Yeah, Facebook, okay. check
5: it out there and also just check out social media that there's all the details for the fights.
0: Uh, go up there. And if you're Australian,
5: you're listening as well, the, the Australian side of the, the card is is great. We've got Trent Gerdom on there, he's coming back off his first loss against uh, yes, Rani Sahada, he's an awesome fighter. He is taking on, this is a sneaky uh, This is a sneak fight for me, Kyle Reyes, who we saw fight in um, California. He only had one ACB fight, but he's a badass fighter. Adrian Diaz is on the card as well, but also Shannon Ross takes uh, takes on Charlie and Linz, um, in a flyweight bout, which they've both been champions in different promotions at flyweight uh, in Australia. They've both missed each other as far as fighting each other, so unofficially... This is for the best flyweight in Australia.
0: Very nice. All right, June sixteenth. They're in Brisbane. Um, all right, Brian, you want to hang around with us for a little bit? Can you? I, you, do you I've got. got go?
5: feed, I've got to feed a four-year-old. It is my four-year-old as well. They'd make that sound creepy. oh yeah, <laughs> be, but yeah, I've, <laughs> I've got a four-year-old in the car.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we. Mick yeah, gotta...
5: Diaz, like. Diaz has got nothing on me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll let you. Uh, we'll let you get to that. And then, okay. uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Th- we should. Uh, anything else you want to mention? You want to mention uh, uh, one punch uh, podcast? Let everybody know where. That it... would t-
5: not not at the minute. So we've got that on hold. We have, we're in talks of relaunching it on a, on as you have a video format. So, oh good. Uh, when that goes rolling, that would be great. But just just that it's my birthday on the thirty first of May. If people want to send me a lovely message at Brian Lacey MMA Brian with Y L A C E Y MMA, uh, I need some love because I'm, I'm a very lonely man.
0: Do you have, a, like, a Amazon wish list? That's what all the girls no. at the brothel do. <laughs> they put together a little so all their clients can buy them gifts.
5: Well, now you've mentioned that I will have, and uh, <laughs> if people, if people want to check it out, yeah. it'll be up on my Twitter very shortly, all right? right. Send Brian it. It some lingerie. Coffee, so, and i will and and TRT, so that's, that's fine. T Nation, sorry, that's what we're dealing with, isn't it?
0: All right, we'll get that podcast back up and running. If you want to go, you, you people can still find the archives. I'm sure, right? Yeah. Like check it out. That
5: One Punch Podcast. Me and Brad Pickett is still mm-hmm. still in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's still mad as ever. He was in Nottingham as well, so we uh, we got some time with with Mister Brad. I got to uh, get Frank to meet uh, Brad Pickett as well, which was awesome.
0: Yeah. Very good. All right, Brian. Thanks for the time, and uh, we'll Most we'll be seeing brothers. you on the ACB broadcast. All right. There goes uh, right. there goes See Brian soon. Lacey Bye-bye. signing Bye-bye. off. Bye-bye. All right, let me, uh, Frank, uh, uh, say a kind word or two to the fans here. We're, by the way, Mikey is uh, not shooting transsexual porn this weekend, but he is visiting his parents out of state. Uh, so, we, again, we're flying blind. I'm doing the one-man band thing. We don't have our producer. So I now have to step just off camera to clear the screen. And right. so this is where I throw it to you to talk about some, I don't know, exciting upcoming <laughs> announcements.
1: This is when you go back and just edit it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious, talk. Oh, serious, talk. Okay, what do we got going on? Hey, so this week we'll try to get, uh, I'll give Luke a call. Yep. Get Luke Barnett, who's in town. One of his fighters, Jacare Salido, who's an ACB fighter, is uh, trying out for the um, heavyweights Mm -hmm. reality show for uh, the UFC.
0: Good. The tough. Boy. You you would not be the you you have I do not have to worry about you cutting me out of this picture and no. just going with a one man podcast, right? Nope, not okay. At all. all right, very good. I definitely don't have
1: that shale thing down where I can just
0: Man, I'm trying to lean over the mixing board and do this basically like upside down. I mean, I guess I could leave the Skype screen up there, but I kind of we need to put our logo back up. Uh, Okay, let's see here. Uh, Tell everybody about your birthday party. Tell everybody about your birthday party Thursday night and uh, the nice thing that the kids did. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, that was cool. Actually, I got one of the best gifts I've ever received. Uh, Mrs. Mayor went and bought the kids uh, a tiny little book. Uh, It was, uh, you know, 50 things about dad. Uh, quick little statements you know like you know uh, i love it when dad you know spends time with us doing this or that and just different you know it was a different starter uh, topics and the kids all three of them got to fill in on what they thought was uh you know their opinion you know like you know what they like to do spending time with me uh you know how i handle things with you know what they've learned from me what they enjoy most uh and we even had a little bit of a comic relief in there with the, uh, the, a couple of the comments that they made in there, I think it was like, you know, we love how you don't, you know, uh, you know, how you're much more, you know, I think it was patient than mom. Right. Moms got brought up about four or five times in a way that was, uh, I thought it was funny. It made everybody laugh. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it, it was funny. It was kind of like a roast. And, uh, the kids, I thought at that point were very smart to, uh, hide behind, uh, dad.
1: Yeah. I liked it. It was like, okay, we'll do it in front of everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we'll make it funny so we can't get in trouble. but We still get our right. thoughts across.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, that was a, a total dad move. No, I, I will tell you, though, Frank, I, uh, I you know, I, I often uh, point out that these kids don't know how, how good they have it uh, being raised in a great family like the Mirror household. Because uh, this you would not have seen a scene like that uh, in in my house. My dad would have wanted no part of that uh uh situation of uh yeah let's uh let's uh hang on am i up here
1: i can hear you in my ears you
0: hear me okay uh my dad would have wanted no part of uh let's get let's gather a crowd around and uh have have my kid uh read his thoughts <laughs> my dad that, that would not have gone well for my dad uh in terms of uh probably what i would have had to say so uh I the 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 offer stands as always uh, anytime these uh, kids give you any grief you just send them my way and I'll tell them what uh Well actually you once
1: you're like. done setting up the screen yeah tell your Christmas story Oh yeah that was actually a very sobering moment I was like yeah. looking at you like wow okay cuz I mean you always say yeah. you know you didn't have the best relationship with your father right
0: right but
1: then uh to actually give examples uh puts it more into perspective
0: Yep for sure all right hold on a second let me let me uh this guy, geez, sorry guys, I'm producing on the air. This is why we have Mikey, you know, and it's still it's not going to look as good as it could. I guess that looks okay, right? Yeah, that works, man. Hold on, I'm coming back to the mic. Oh, geez, makes you appreciate your producer. All right, uh, yeah, so, so, uh, <laughs> so my dad, um, you know, my dad and and I, I talk about this. I, I I wasn't beaten as a kid or any kind of thing like that. It was just my dad was like a series of misguided decisions. Like even at a young age, I could just tell that his thought process was not sound. You know, and he would make he would make moves that even as a kid, I would look at and go, "Oh, this is not gonna." play well as i grow up like you know i'm really starting to see more and more that you are not a sound thinker you know and that probably focused me more on trying to be that way because i i was always kind of like a mini adult i never really felt like a kid right you know what i'm saying uh, Doesn't yeah. come a surprise yeah <laughs> so um uh, I, hmm.
1: it's strange though for your for you at such a young age to to figure out that your dad was maybe not the most mature of individuals yeah uh but your mom seems yeah. like a super sharp lady. Mm-hmm. What was he? I mean? Obviously, was he just like the bad boy, the, the attraction there? Like how they get together? Have you ever asked her? Like you know? Like- yeah,
0: yeah. Well, my dad. So, so here's the thing about my dad. My dad was not like me in any. He wasn't like a free spirit or an artist or. I mean, when you say like the bad boy, like not that kind of the 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 way you would. You know, he wasn't like. In bands or anything like that. In fact, he was career military. He was in the Air Force, as was my grandfather before him. But the thing about my dad was that he was very, and this is where we differ, he was very materialistic. Like, what kind of car do you drive? You know, like that kind of stuff. He always wanted to, like, drive a cool car, you know, be the 70s version of what status looked like. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wanted to be the guy who, who uh, you know, uh, had, a, had the country club membership or had the, you know, what, what... If he was a
1: young guy nowadays, he'd be that whole, was it gym, tan, laundry?
0: Kind of, yeah. You know what he would have been? It, he would have been the $30,000 millionaire. You ever heard that phrase? No, like, that's the first one for me. Yeah, someone who, you know, doesn't make a million bucks but thinks it's really important to try to appear, like ah. you do, right? I've heard
1: expressions like that, but yeah, very pleasant. To yeah, say.
0: yeah. <laughs> so he he was that guy, and he was very focused on that kind of stuff. Now he w- he he was very charming, you know, like he could. Oh, okay. He was smooth. And uh, and I think that probably appealed to my mom when she was 22 or however old she was when they met, 21, something like that. I guess like at that. that
1: time, maturity is not on a scale of, you know, yeah. looks and other things kind of get weighed in farther when a woman's.
0: Right. I mean, you know, if you're in your early 20s, you're a good-looking guy. You can talk a good game, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Then, uh, yeah, it was it was appealing. So, you know, so People t- aren't caring
1: about credit scores at that
0: time. Exactly. And to meet my dad was like – my dad had an alcohol problem, but he wasn't the falling down drunk. Like, if you, if you didn't- But he was constantly buzzed? Yeah. If you didn't know him, you probably wouldn't even realize he was drinking. Does that make yeah, sense? Like functional alcohol. Yeah, functional. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but it's weird because there's stuff now that I can remember as a kid. I can remember him getting into the car- This was like routine. I'd see this happen all the time. We'd get in the car in the middle of the day, and he would have a mixed drink, like just a glass with some sort of whatever, scotch or whatever's in there, and he'd just set it in the cup holder. Like, you know, not like a huge tumbler like my Mm -hmm. Yeti here uh, on screen, but just a, you know, an open glass, and he just sat that. I didn't think anything of it, you know, as a kid, but I, you know, that's... I mean yeah. that's that's a sure sign yeah. of someone who uh, has an issue.
1: Well, I think and, that's more the definition of an alcoholic. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't quite know, but if you're just a binge drinker who yeah. just gets blasted, I don't know if that's necessarily an alcoholic. Or yeah,
0: no, I have I to do. look it up. But right. it's
1: those people that have to constantly have alcohol in their system—they drink right? to stay even. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's that constant, like you know, they're not loaded, they're not. Yeah. That's why actually why they probably get in trouble when they're drinking and driving because they can get pulled over, mm-hmm. completely functional and drive mm-hmm. a vehicle, but then their blood alcohol level is still at one point two. It's yeah. Like, but if you and I were a one point two, eh, I started slurring my words mm-hmm. and you know kind of mm-hmm. you know eyes are bloodshot, a little goofy, you know. But
0: yeah, you know. no, that's that's the way he was, and he had he had sort of a sense of entitlement, like he just kind of expected everything to come easy or like he was he was entitled to it. Like my grandfather was uh, a, a high-ranking Air Force officer. And so he kind of had like going to military school, he got into good military school and it was kind of one of those things, you know, it'd be like being, being your kid and you want to be a pro fighter and you're still going to have to uh, make it on your own merits, but you got a real nice pedigree for by way of introduction you know when people find out who your dad is well he had that but he took the exact wrong approach to it which is as opposed to thinking okay well that's great for an introduction but i've got to stand on my own it was kind of like hey everything should just come to me you know everything should just yeah, come it's easy a recipe for disaster yeah only thing
1: i've noticed that if you're this child yes of anybody who's already in that field that's mm-hmm. that reached like like bella cage and ronan yeah they want to go to the fight world the advantage of being my child is they will have other opportunities more so than other parents can give their kids because of my connections. Yeah. But they're also going to be judged yeah. way more difficult, I mean, under a much more stringent criteria than a, the, that parent that didn't, you know, that maybe played baseball and now their kid wants to fight or, they you mm-hmm. know, they're just, you know, just a normal nine to five job. It's so if you go on there thinking it's going to be easier because your dad's the top of the food chain you're, you're screwed.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. And you also have to be prepared. You have to have the self confidence to know if I'm, you know, second generation, uh, MMA fighter mirror that I could still have an awesome career and it still may not reach the level of yours. Like it still may be very impressive. And if you just saw it on your own and if you have the self confidence that it takes, you can be proud of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, If I mean, what are the odds of having like a 10 year top level MMA career? Not great. You know, most people don't get that. That's extremely right. Yeah. So if, so if I could have that as your kid, even if it didn't, let's say maybe I never won a title, but I still had an awesome 10 year career, you know, where I made a nice living and stuff like that. Like be proud of that. Like that's awesome. So, so he, all those things that he needed to have like that, he had the exact opposite of. So I'll give you a good example. Like. I was obviously I'm, you know, playing in bands growing up as a kid and nobody in my family's musical. Nobody in my, you know, like I said, everybody's military. So they were they were, outside of my dad, they were supportive, but they didn't know what I was doing. They could just tell, okay, I picked up an instrument. I'm playing it. Now I'm going and hanging out with other people that play instruments. Now I'm playing in bars. Now I'm, you know, obviously this is going somewhere, but we can be supportive. We just don't know specifically what to tell you about how to succeed at it. Well, my dad though, he did not get why I was, uh, for example, I was hanging around guys that were his age, and sometimes like my grandfather's age in terms of like playing in bars and old blues band. The first band I ever had when I was 14, 15 years old, the harmonica player was in his 60s. So I'm, you know, he never understood why, basically why I was putting in the work, like what any of that meant. But as soon as he started seeing it have some success like oh now my kid you know plays in clubs and stuff like that he was the first to show up with his girlfriends and be like yeah there's my kid so he was the kind of guy that like wanted to be there once there was success
1: reap the rewards and not put in the work
0: exactly but never understood the work ethic
1: Uh, a lot of people are like that
0: man yeah yeah, so I, I keyed in on a lot of these things early. Now, the story you wanted me to tell, yeah. because I, I brought this up at your. Uh, I didn't your, know how
1: to handle that when you told it <laughs> to me. I'm like, right here, I had this moment where I'm like, you're like, oh man, your kids really. I'm like, thanks, man, good compliment. And then you told me this, <laughs> like, well, I'm like looking at you. I'm like, I don't know if I need to hug uh, you. Are like, are you okay with this? Because this is really like, yeah, this is affecting me now, man. Uh, like shit, you just like, <laughs> I'm
0: like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm good because honestly, like the story I'm about to tell you, it just. For me, I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I think I came out a, you know, a, a pretty decently put together adult. I mean, my mom was a big part of that. And so now you just laugh about it. You know, Now it's just kind of like, hey, I should be able to get something out of it, so I may as well get some comedy. You know what I mean? I may as well get something that either works its way into my stand-up routine or at least uh, makes my friends amusingly uncomfortable at parties. <laughs> so the story is this. So, so this is, understand, in the immediate aftermath of uh, Frank, and it really was sweet. Like what Frank was talking about with his kids and the book and everything was awesome. And, and uh, I tell you, it, 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 it almost made me want to have a kid. I mean I was like yeah. Almost got you though. Huh? Almost, almost. <laughs> I was we were Jennifer and I were were really uh smiling big when they were doing that. Anyway, so the story I was telling you and and Jennifer your Jennifer's dad and and uh whoever else was sitting there was um when uh when I was about 6 maybe probably around six years old, you know, you write a letter to Santa Claus every year. You know, here's what I'd like for Christmas and that sort of thing. And, you know, your parents mail it to the North Pole or give it to the guy at the mall or whatever. But I wrote a letter to Santa Claus. And uh, in that letter, I said that that year for Christmas, I would give up all of my Christmas presents if Santa Claus could get my dad to quit drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the best part. My mom kept the letter and used it as Exhibit A to uh, taunt my dad with whenever they got in. uh, I mean, can you imagine Mrs. Muir having some ammunition like that? That's top-grade ammo right there. What are you going to do? I mean, come
2: on.
1: (laughs) No. I mean, that's the one person I think has— Like, you know, like like even my wife. She doesn't have to answer to me. I mean, at a certain point, I guess there are things that we are – but she's still her own human being and my own human being. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, the only people that I have to answer to are my children. That's really the only people I feel an obligation to. It's like, well, I brought them into this world. I have an obligation that, you know, if I have to explain my actions to anybody, they're the only people that I feel that, like, if you sit there and go, hey, why'd you do that? And if I don't like you, I might not – fuck off. Uh Who are you? Whereas if any of my children, you know, fifteen twenty years from now, ever want to sit there and go, well, Dad, you know, Mom said, or we heard, or you know, this happened. I remember this situation. Can you explain it better? Yeah. You know what happened? I'm like, all right. Well, sit down. You know, let me tell you. You know, yeah. they're the ones I feel like I owe something to. You know, you do. You know, and so uh, to have one of them tell me and be aware of any of a bad trait and be like, oh, we don't want you to do that anymore. Well, shit. What are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Not do it, I guess. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, my dad. My dad. How did he uh, handle?
1: It? Did he at least stop for a little bit? No. It, was, it wasn't even like, oh, see, like, I could see that. Where if you have a problem with something, I yeah. feel bad. Everybody, like, you know, like the one comedian says, everybody has their McDonald's. Yeah. Everybody has something that you you have an issue with. <clears throat> so I could see in that situation if one of my kids go, hey, dad, you know, we don't want you to be overweight anymore. Yeah. Because you know, I struggle with overeating. You know, mm. I, I I know that I would do well for weeks, months. But to say that it would be an instant fix, no. You're probably going to fall off the wagon again because I have a food addiction, you know, bad, you know? And so, uh, but to not even fucking try, that blows my mind. Like, you know, it's like, really? You didn't even, like, you know, give it the fucking, you know, the old. uh...
0: Well, no, because, and this was was my dad's, like, this was the real Achilles heel to his bad character, is he wouldn't see that as him being in the wrong he would see that as, uh, well, you know, that's amazing. Oh, he's the
1: world's against him type thing? Well,
0: there's that plus the fact that, yeah, just wait. When my kid's, you know, my age, he'll be just like me. Like, he, you know, he thinks that now. But that's just because that's what the world puts in his head. But you know, he's he's gonna be like me. Yeah. He'll be at the bar with me, having a good time. Yeah, exactly. And he even so. So my dad—that's a dangerous trait to have
1: because humans were the best at justifying, right? A
0: hundred percent. Fuck, man. So my my dad died when I was probably about—I think it was like thirty or thirty-one. He smoked himself to death. He had lung cancer, and uh, but even up to the end like he always justified that kind of stuff like oh yeah you know my my kid we're just we're just busy but uh you know my i'm an only child too by the way but yeah you know my son we're we're we'll be getting together hanging out playing golf together you know he always kind of had these ideas he was he was he was uh in denial like about what you know what he had really the 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 groundwork he had really laid out like in his head yeah like you said he just constantly justified it to himself you know so i'll give you i give you a, will uh, even give you another example this is a more a more personal one but this will give you an idea it, it to me and i always tell people like whenever because i have friends and i've gotten to you know old enough now to where like i've had friends whose marriages are broken up and they have kids and they worry about the impact on the kids and all that kind of stuff and i always tell them i said listen as long as kids get love and support from somebody that 's what matters if If it can be like what you guys have two parents you know you're you're this awesome family that's that's preferable that 's great. but if they can't have that as long as somebody, whether it 's a mom a dad, a grandparent because his parents my my paternal grandparents were very involved in my life I really like surrogate parents. That's the thing that matters the most, because you're getting that stability from somewhere, and as you become an adult, so
1: your grandfather, on the, your paternal grandfather,
0: yeah, good guy, hundred percent. Ah,
1: man, you know what? And that actually scares me about my children, because mm-hmm. I've noticed a trait in human uh, nature. Yeah, and have I even seen uh, a philosophical quote mm-hmm. put out there? And I was like, oh shit, that puts into words what I've kind of noticed. You know, like you always kind of notice those traits. You look around and go, oh well. I've seen a pattern here before. You'll mm-hmm. meet somebody and go, "Oh, this fits a profile," or I've seen this sequence of events occur, and okay, now I know where this is going, and you know, you you see these rhythms in life, and one of the rhythms that I've noticed and is that, and it was actually surmising this this uh, uh, statement or this quote, and I forgot where I got it. Side, it, mm-hmm. but it was like you know. Uh, uh, Bad times create, you know, good men. Mm-hmm. Good men create, you know, uh, uh, good times. Good times create weak men, and then weak men create bad times, and then bad mm-hmm. times. So it's like this constant cycle. And it was kind yeah. of talking about, you know, different civilizations on how yeah. from hardship makes strong men, and those strong men will make society better, but then the descendants of that better society are weak. And yeah. then, weeks descendants now make for a bad society that make for bad times. That then the cycle starts over again. So that was mm-hmm. when I see that. That's one thing that was fearful of that I've always been fearful of is I always want my children to be better than me. Like I, yeah. I honestly do.
4: Yeah,
1: I've always been terrified to be that guy because it embarrasses me to see those. You know that that forty year old guy. That goes out there with his 16 year old son and still gets upset when he gets beat in a foot race.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: like, dude, you're, you're, you're in your 40s now. He's a junior in high school. You didn't think that was eventually going to start happening. And yeah. you see those dads that try to hold on or, no, no, I'm still the best. I'm like, yeah. but it's your kid that beats you. Doesn't that make you feel good? Like to know that it's right. like, well, it's still my genetics. It's still like an extension of me that now is like, you know, like I even thought about that when I was reading the thing. I looked over at my two sons and Cage looks a lot like me and Mm -hmm. and Ronan resembles me but he's a much lighter version. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, both my boys, you know, they're extremely smart. They do so well in school and they're in the fucking most difficult private school you can be in Mm -hmm. and they're phenomenal students and I'm like looking at them like, and they're so good looking. Like I had a moment where I was almost even jealous of like how good looking they are. I'm like, That's right. Look at my sons. Look how much better looking they are than I am. Like, I was never that good looking at that age. What the hell are they going to look like when they become full grown men? Like, wow. And like, I think it should, you know, like then I was like such pride, you know? I'm like, yes, that's my, you know, to want to push the next generation up. So I was always fearful of, okay, that's my goal is the trajectory goes up. Mm -hmm. But if my kids live a comfortable life. Yeah. Could I actually make them weaker than me? Mm-hmm. Because you know I came from you know not the hard life, but more difficult than normal, and then that made me aspire to give them a better life. But will that better life ruin them? So that's why sports and martial yeah. arts and stuff in the school that I put them in gives them
0: hardship you're also super involved i mean that there's no substitute for that no you're right. you, know, you guys are the most involved parents i know which is fantastic i mean you're just I try
1: as much as i can
0: yeah. no i i think you do and even i mean and the thing is too you guys you know you in particular with all the travel and stuff you'll find a way to be involved even when you can't be there directly to be involved like i mean the times i've seen you know i've we I, we we talk about this on the show, but the times I've seen you fly halfway around the world to be home for 24 hours so you can get back on a plane and fly back to the other yeah. side of the world, that's, there's no substitute for that. And so, so that's, that's as key as anything, but, but with, and you you asked about my grandfather. So he, he was the exact opposite of my dad, like almost, and I also think too, he never said this. So
1: it's funny. That statement kind of rings true in your family.
0: Yes. Your, yes.
1: Your grandfather, I'm probably sure might've came from a difficult Yeah. past
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then all of a sudden he
1: created a good, Yep. he became successful yep. officer in the military. Yep. Then all of a sudden your dad had a good, great opportunities. Yeah spoiled child almost it sounds like yep. you know yeah then because you didn't have the greatest childhood because of your a, a, choiled, a spoiled father yeah now look at you now you, you you know you rise and now you're stronger you know
0: yeah yeah no this whole he, rhythm of waves yeah, it, it's 100 so 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 my my grandparents had two kids they had my dad and my aunt my aunt Oh. it's well, so my dad early. calling now from yeah. beyond the grave he's figured out how to skype This'll be fun. I had a few things I was meaning to Sorry. tell him It's okay
1: up. Are we starting now? I thought okay. it was in 10 more minutes. OK, Hi. All right, can you see me? Yeah, 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 now I see you, OK. Two minutes, I wanted to check everything. Uh, Mr. Basia okay. is here, and just in two minutes, uh, you're right, you will be here, and so we can begin. OK, awesome. So oh. you, see, do, do you see me? Yeah, yeah, I know, uh Herb, I can't no, see No, Herb, you're minutes. not on there. Okay, you guys will call back? Uh, yeah, two minutes, I will
0: call back. Okay. Two All right. right, I'll pick Sorry, it up. That's okay. I'll pick I it didn't up from there. It to be no, there. it's good. I'll pick it up from there. Three, two, one. So, when you're asking about my grandfather, so he, he, they had two kids my my aunt and my dad. My aunt turned out awesome, like just like my grandfather. My dad, for whatever reason, the other way. So I think my grandfather, like, he never really said this, but I think he was always kind of embarrassed by it. You know, like, I don't know what happened to him. And so he, and especially with me, because I was an only grandchild. So to him, this was the ultimate wrong was like my dad you know, not, I mean, that should have been in my grandfather's mind, that should have been the entire focus was me. So my grandfather really kind of, you know, assumed that role, but here's how you can measure it all. So I actually, so I saw both of them pass away. My grandfather died a couple of years before my dad. So at my grandfather's funeral, uh, I did the eulogy for it and it was so easy. And when I say easy, I mean, it was obviously a very emotional time. But when somebody says, hey, can you get up for 10 minutes and say some nice things about this person? Done. Like, I didn't have enough time. You know what I'm saying? To get in everything I could have said. And I just got up and I, you know, I just, it was just there. So you had
1: a positive male role model.
0: 100%. Now, with my dad, he dies a couple years later. They asked me to do the eulogy for that. And I was like, what do you want me to say? You know, like, I'm sorry, I just, there's not really a lot to say. Like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to get up and do the roast routine like I'm doing right now, but I'm like, eh, I don't really, there's just uh, not too much to talk about there.
1: And I always say that the worst thing to have from somebody that you care about the mo- the worst return emotion i can imagine is indifference
0: that's yes
1: indifference and yes. for you to tell me you have indifference towards your dad i'm like that's the
2: worst that's if, what it is even yeah. if yeah. you
1: somebody hates you yeah. i can deal with that i'm like all right there's love there you're yeah. just angry me for something there's something i could fix to turn that yeah. anger back to love yeah. but if you're just indifferent i'm like wow there's not even emotional connection nope. you're just like fuck off no nope. i could care less whether i ever hear about you again mm-hmm. i'm like whoa that's like that to me that's the. the, there's nothing worse than that
0: you see it and i talk about these signposts you know where early in life i would see like okay this is the you know this is where i'm getting a real good read on you uh this is uh we'll 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 wrap with this but um on on this subject but i uh so when i was I was still really young. I mean, I was maybe five or something like that. Maybe still six. Probably, probably around the time of the Santa Claus letter. I it took me a little longer than most to quit wetting the bed. Sometimes kids, you know, for whatever reason, just takes a little longer. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to the best I can to curtail this problem. But uh, and you know, parents in that situation should be real supportive of it and just try to you know work yeah. it out. So. My dad, in his infinite parental wisdom, says to me, I was I was on him one day about not smoking anymore because I was real concerned about it. I knew even as a little kid, even back in the 70s, that smoking was bad for you, and it scared me. I didn't want to lose my dad. So, you know, hey, would you please quit smoking? I was always, you know, on him for that. So my dad one day, as I'm at this age and trying to end the, the bedwetting thing, goes, says this to me. Well, I'll tell you what kid if you can quit wetting the bed i'll quit smoking which right there that's fucking awful terrible parental uh, idea right because first of all you're equating an adult voluntary decision with a kid involuntary you have a child that's
1: in love with you yeah that's desperately wants to fix the situation yeah and then you're gonna put guilt on you that now that you're gonna wet the bed and i didn't quit smoking
0: yeah he just, he just uses it as ammo, right? Yeah, that
1: is an awful mind game to fuck with your kid on.
0: Exactly. Like terrible, I, it, terrible idea. That is idea. terrible. <laughs> now, Jesus, man. here's the payoff. Here's the payoff. I quit wetting the bed. He didn't stop smoking. Ah. So the message, even at six years old, is when I saw that, I was like, oh, you're weak. See, you're, you're, you could you could totally stop this you're weak, you're, you're an adult and you're weak and I'm six. And this is like something that I don't even have any like conscious control over. And this has stopped and you can't stop. So that's why it's always been very important to me as an adult. Like you're not even
1: mad at him. You just lost respect for
0: him. Yeah. Like, like to me, one of the biggest measures of character is just, is just strength and will. You know, yeah. it's just just to know that, that, you know, you've got enough control of yourself. And that's been something that I've always measured myself scene. by. Huh?
1: The Schindler list scene where the guy's up there is like, you know, the power not to. Yeah. Know, the strength not to is the greatest power of all. You know, like, right, right. Yeah.
0: All right. There you go. A wide range of topics on this episode of phone booth fighting. And don't you dare think that this is the only time that we do something like that. In fact, we're somewhat known for it, Frank. It's uh, one of the things that. Uh, our listeners appreciate. Uh, I get mad about it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frank, go ahead and tell everybody how to follow the show on social media, will you?
1: Well, on Facebook or Instagram, you can follow us at Phone Booth Fighting, Snapchat and Twitter, just Phone Booth Fight.
0: That's it. Follow us on social media. Uh, we will be back uh, with you on the next episode of Phone Booth Fighting. Make sure to subscribe if this is your first time hearing us. If you're already subscribed but you have a friend who isn't, you know what you need to do. Tell that friend to hit that subscribe button. Give us those five stars on uh, iTunes and uh, help us grow this thing organically one listener at a time. For Frank Mir and for Mikey over there doing an awesome job producing, I'm Richard Hunter, and we'll see you right back here next time on Phone Booth Fighting.